What's going on everybody? Drone Hunter with you. It is November 7, 2023. How you doing out there today? Let's get right into it. NHL on TNT. I got Alec Navin here with me. I don't know if he's listening in or going to join on the broadcast today, but I will throw him in here nonetheless. Let me give you into the starting lineups. So for the Detroit Red Wings, head coached by Derek Lalone, it sounds like this, 7-4-1 on the season. Dylan Larkin, Alex Debrinkett, Lucas Raymond, Jake Wolman, and Moritz Sider. J.T. Comfort, David Perron, Andrew Kopp with Ben Chirot and Justin Hull. Joe Valeno, Robbie Fabry, Daniel Sprong, Michael Rasmussen, Clem Costin, and Christian Fisher. Ole Mata and Shane Gossesborough will be the third pair defense, and Ville Husso should be the goaltender in net. Of note for Dylan Larkin, it was noted that he may take a maintenance day from the cross-checks from Hampus Leno and Brad Marchand, you know, off of that injured back that's been dealing with the ears since Jimmy Ben from several years ago. He may not join in the lineup, but it seems like Robbie Fabry will, and Christian Fitcher might as well. For the New York Rangers, it sounds like this, 8-2-1 on the season, head coached by Peter Laviolette, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Blake Wheeler, Keandre Miller, and Jacob Truba. So the second-line defense moves up to the first line. Vinny Trocek, Artemi Panarin, Alexa Lafreniere, Ryan Lingren, and Eric Gustafson, Nick Benino, Will Cooley, Capocacco, Barclay Goodrow, Jimmy Vesey, and Tyler Pitlick with Zach Jones and Braden Schneider in the back-end defense. I believe it's going to be Jonathan Quick in net today for the New York Rangers. So Rangers are dealing with some significant injuries as well. So Philip Heedle and Adam Fox are on the LTIR, and Igor Sesterkin still day-to-day. So that should mean Jonathan Quick draws in the lineup. But this is going to be a good matchup at MSG. Again, I mentioned the first 13 games are really important for the Red Wings. They were thinking they might go, you know, 7-6, and six, some combination like that. Well, they've already surpassed that. You get another win today, you're putting yourself into a good spot. And for the New York Rangers, they finally get a chance to get some home cooking. But I'm looking forward to this matchup. Yeah, this should be a good one between Detroit and the Rangers. An original six matchup as well between these two historical rivals, though. They didn't meet each other a lot back before the realignment of 2014. But now they're meeting each other at least twice a year because of the realignment. We're getting Evelia Husso and Jonathan Quick. But this will be an even bigger test for the Rangers now than about Philip Kittle, Igor Shesterkin, and most recently Adam Fox. The big question I have, will we see some boost from Keandre Miller and Eric Gustafson on the power play? That's what I'm wondering, especially with Miller. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because you move Ryan Lindgren down on that side. And as you talk about Adam Fox, that's a primary power play proponent. That's not going to be there today. We watched Dylan Larkin. He is skating around. He does draw in the lineup. I imagine he would on that side because it's a national TV game. So we'll see what happens on this side, at least for the Red Wings. After this, you get a couple games against Montreal Canadiens, then you got the Chicago Blackhawks in as well. So the schedule will start to calm down a little bit, but how about a matinee day game essentially at MSG as we get the early start at 7.30 as this one's dumped in. So Jonathan Quick will play this one now. As it's picked up by the Blue Shirts, they're going to be going right to left. Um, that's as this is flipped in by Barclay Goudreau. Take a look at his most cider. Put this in off the backhand and recollected by number 71, but he fans on it. This is going to give an opportunity for the Rangers to make something happen. And Keandre Miller into the tip. That one went just wide. Wallman now will play this in off the backhand, and the Red Wings will look to try to go left to right. Here's Moritz Sider. He'll gain the red line and flip it in. That was actually gloved down from Jonathan Quick from 100 feet, and it's played by the Rangers. So here they go on the right wing side to be able to gain the entry, as this is a good drop. And a good shot from Capococco, but it's closed by the five-hole by Husso. There are many questions surrounding both Capococco and Alex 
see a lot from here if they will be able to take the next step under careers, especially since they haven't truly panned out early. But Lafreniere, he has seemed to be fighting a bit of stride with five points in 11 games. We need to see more from Kako, though, because he has only two points in 11 games. Yeah, I would agree with that on the Capo-Kako side, but for those that want to continually go after Alexei Lafreniere, I understand how tough it is to be a number one pick, but if it wasn't for the COVID year on that side, the ping-pong balls wouldn't have even bounced that way for the Rangers. Because remember, they in that part of the alignment, they were allowed to be a playoff team, and they ended up getting a number one pick anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, things are weird over the COVID year because they got eliminated in a qualifying round by the Hurricanes, in which I thought it was going to be an upset for the then jumpstart Rangers. Right. But, you know, anything can happen, and the Hurricanes proved themselves to be a better defensive team that year, but the, the Rangers getting Lafreniere first overall, you know, weird things can happen when you're in a playoff ball. This pass went right through the blue paint, and the Rangers are off to a good start right now. The first shot just missed Huso, and this is picked up near the left side. Almost looks like a power play, but I swear to you that it's not. Two shots to nothing in favor of the Rangers. Another long shot goes off the stick of Huso, so blue shirts are definitely on this early. Red Wings a little bit under siege here, as this is cleared down the ice by Ben Chirot and across the red. Picked up off a couple of sticks and bounced off Andrew Kopp before it finally gets sent back down the ice. So the first three shots of the game belong to the New York Rangers. Here they are on the right wing side. Is able to gain the entry off of a chance and scores. What a beautiful shot in off the rush. Looks like Vinny Trocek's made it one nothing. Beautiful rush by the Rangers and beautiful opportunities for them back and forth. It feels like you mentioned this looked like a power play for them, even though it's five-on-five five play. Uh, man, this Rangers team has been buzzing. That second line between him, Panarin, and Lafreniere perhaps has been one of the better lines that they have had throughout because we need to see more from Blake Wheeler. Just remember, we haven't seen a lot from him in his time as a Ranger, but they brought him in at a low cost. No risk in losing him if he underperforms, but Trocek, he has been buzzing in year two as a blue shirt. Yeah, I really like this Rangers team. Again, we can talk about players that are missing and have gone from other teams like Vlad Tarasenko or Patrick Kane. There's been a lot of depth to go in there and try to get some wins. And again, we called that game against the New Jersey Devils when that was turned to be a complete laugher. But this one is anything but, as this is picked up now on the right side red line. Red Wings just trying to get it out of the defensive end. They've been stuck here for quite a while. Here's another chance for Jones. And this one pinballs near the right side boards. Rangers have it again. They'll fire it at the net. Oh, I almost thought that went in, but that went in behind the cage. And now this is an opportunity for the Rangers again. They're all over the wings. Here's a chance. Jones will pivot. Put this in toward the right side. It's spun by Barclay Goudreau. So again, it doesn't matter what line's out there right now. This is an opportunity to flip this one back in. Goudreau will take a look at it. Again, the entry do the... Rangers again as they get a gorgeous looking steal. Try to funnel this at the net, but it gets bounced back, goes in behind the cage. Keandre Miller now. Jacob Truba will crisscross. Or Tampa Panarin, the bread man's got it. Red Wings desperate to get this out of their own end, but they can't clear it. Keandre Miller keeps it in. This is near the left side red line, now the right side. Huso swallows it up. He needs a whistle. Well, he needed that one desperately because the Rangers are heavily putting the Red Wings under siege, left and right. And with Jacob Truba getting that quick shot 
Chargers make it 2-0. We know what he can do dating back to his Winnipeg days. And the Rangers, they know for his leadership and his offensive qualities, his physical play with his heavy hits. Face-off win. It's being controlled by a couple bodies. Almost gets sent right out in front of the blue paint. Blue shirts have it again. Rapper on opportunity. Husso swallows it up, but it's loose. Now it's at the blue line side in the high part of the slot. This goes back to Keandre. He fires into the screen. Husso finds it somehow. Wheeler was right on the doorstep. I mean, Blake Wheeler was out in front. He looked for that deflection. Reunite with his Winnipeg boy, Truba. Chris Kreider, who else also being in front of that, eager to deflect pucks. That is the case on power plays, and the Rangers controlling this game early on. Hit the first seven shots. I know I have four eyes, Alec, but I have to question myself. Do the Red Wings have five players on the ice? I know they do, but it doesn't look like it right now. Michael Rasmussen is in on the draw. I don't know if they got to go back to the original Road Reds at this point. Rasmussen can't win it. Truba fires it. And Husso mercifully makes the save and gets another stoppage. The first eight shots and the first goal of the game is for Vinny Trocek. And it's 16-34 in the first. I, mean, this is, I wish I was seeing, seeing this as a dream here, but the Rangers aren't, aren't dreaming here. They're, they're living a reality and they're coming out like it's a dream start right here and right now. So again, I mentioned in the open about Dylan Larkin. They were thinking about doing a maintenance day. He might want to think about it now at this point, the way that this is going. Well, Cooley, he almost gets separated from the puck, but the Rangers are still fighting with this thing. They get this into the neutral zone. They're going to gain yet another entry as this is flipped in on the left side red line. Recollected now for Kako. And now Clint Costin, who finally finds his way back in the lineup as he's come back from injury. Gets this one down across the red. Red Wings might actually get this in the offensive zone for the first time in this game. Christian Fisher now, Michael Rasmussen. I think it's a little bit of a fourth line side, even though you can put Rasmussen at a second line part for a right wing. He really is that good, but they've been shuffling lines, I imagine, for Derek Wallone's squad. As this is Brian Lindgren. He's got it now. He'll pick it up and toward the right side of the dot. Here's a beautiful skating across the right wing. It was the bread man, Artemi Panarin. He almost broke through three Red Wings as this is recollected back in the end. Here's a long outstretch pass from 80 feet. JT Confer, David Perron will just backhand this toward the net. I don't even blame him at this point, trying to get something at Jonathan Quick as it's picked up here for Mika Zibanejad. Cross pass floated. What a tip out in front, but Huso solved it. And is there going to be a penalty against the Rangers? Yes, there is. So, wow, the Red Wings will finally get something. The shots on goal are 9 nothing, But when the Rangers touch the puck, Red Wings go to the power play. Red Wings now have it in the defensive end of the blue shirts. Spin back around for Dylan Larkin. Andrew Kopp and now JT Confer gains the zone. Drop for David as this is spun back around for JT. Captain on the left side blue line. Sider try to get a piece of it. Rangers finally touch. We get a tripping penalty. You have no idea how badly the Red Wings needed this power play in their favor. They were getting hustled left and right by the Rangers to the point where the, where the Blue Shirts had the first nine shots of this game. And at last, when it says trip up, was that Blake Wheeler? I believe it was Wheeler who tripped up Oli Mata. And upon that, we see the, the, the Red Wings getting their first legitimate chance of this game. Alec, 
I try not to BS anything when I go ahead and do these broadcasts. You know, the first one was against the Devils, and that one was going to be tough anyway. And again, a lot of times when I watch the Red Wings, I like to watch them play against good teams and see what they'll do. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I set myself up for games like these, and right now the Red Wings are going through a blender. Here's an opportunity now of Dylan Larkin. As this is set back down. 15 points from defenseman tied with Vancouver for the most in the NHL. You can ask Edmonton about that as they've lost them three times already. Jonathan Quick. And now Lucas Raymond as it's spun back around. Red Wings haven't even got a chance to really touch this thing in the offensive end. And they are on a power play. As this goes back to Ville Husso. Got to wonder what's in his head right now. Got to think this plays a little bit one-sided. It's an opportunity now as this is dropped for Augustus Bear. Now to Brinkett, first line side getting ready with Dylan Larkin, but good defense for the blue line side. Dylan Larkin, a little bit of an overskate. That was a tough pass nonetheless, and it's flipped down by Keandre. Good-looking young defenseman for the New York Rangers. Peter Laviolette squad going to take a change. We'll see if the Red Wings can do anything on this power play. It doesn't look like much is going on. J.T. Comfort gains the entry now across the original six logo on the New York Rangers. Comfort will get it now to the Left side boards, here's Jake Wallman, spin, and can't hold it in his cider, and the Red Wings have to go back. My goodness, 13-20 left to go in the first, cider will make this pass back. Here's an entry for Coffer, but it goes too hard off the end boards. JT might get to this. They'll funnel it back off the back end of the right side circle. Wallman, settle it down, cider, Wallman. Wallman now, pass across, diving Ranger. This goes back to Wallman nonetheless. Tried to center it out in front. Fanned on. Here's a wrister. This one goes high. Wallman can't find it. And the Rangers get this one down. So the Red Wings power play did not even get started. And Blake Wheeler is going to get a chance to come out of the box by the time the Red Wings essentially get in the offensive end if they can get there. 12.45 left to go on the first. As this is picked up near the right side. Window sprung. He'll drop it to nobody. And this is flipped down. And this will work out for Wheeler. He gets right out of the box. So, John Under within the play-by-play -play being driven by Alec Novel, we can definitely switch off on this side of the periods. I might need a break going into the second on this side if this keeps up as this is offsides. <laughs> this first period seems to look like a fire drill left and right. And Billy, we're getting a lot of pressure here from the Rangers on the Red Wings zone. But with that, that Red Wings power play, it feels like we saw some good looks, but, not, but it was mostly passing. It felt like it was more passive and, and not a lot of shots. No, it was not. Hey, my friend, give me uh, two minutes. I'll be back before the commercial break. All right, I am back. Thank you for that, Alec. As we get back into the neutral zone side and for a draw, and this will go to the New York Rangers as they'll recollect for Alexei Lafreniere. Lafreniere gains the entry off the forehand, and this will be out then for Zach Jones as he'll pinch in as the Wow, the Rangers sent that one right out in front. That could have easily been 2 nothing if it would have found a stick. Red Wings off the backhand, trying to keep this alive, but it's overskated by Rasmussen. Now Alexei Lafreniere off the spin as it's intercepted by Clem Costin. And the Red Wings will flip this in. Jonathan Quick comes out of his net to go ahead and play it. Again, 11.50 left to go in the first. Alec Nava has joined me in this game in the original six matchup on TNT. But boy, oh boy, has this been one-sided, but it's still one nothing only for the Rangers on that end, but it feels like it should be a lot more, as this is flipped in across the red line now, picked up by number 71, as he'll send this one across for Alex to brink it. Lucas Raymond tried to get in on his horse and get around Gustafson. He will 
funnel this thing in around the boards now and Alex will pick it up, send it back to Dean. We'll just here for a Moe Cider. Here's a deflection opportunity that goes wanting. Picked up by Larkin and nobody's back on the left point because everybody's taking a change. My goodness the way this game is going right now. As this is sent back in for Ghost, he will flip this in and the Rangers will pick it off. Now in toward the right side dot as this is recollected by the blue shirts, flipped up in the air and gloved down, but this will bounce back to Keandre. And now Truba will flip this back, Kreider, nice little touch pass. Almost overskated there by the Rangers, but they're able to get in on side before this goes back around for Olimata. And Gostaspare played in the right side of the window into the neutral zone. Joe Valeno gets dispossessed. It feels like the Rangers are everywhere right now as Mika Zabinijad slap shots this thing in. Alejuso now. To Shane Goss, to Spare, and Joe Valeno. They'll try to start left to right. Robbie Fabry off the drop for Sprong. Sprong, gorgeous defense by the Rangers to dispossess Sprong there. As Lindgren, Kreider will flip this in for Jones. Now back to Jake Wollman. Wollman sends it back around the inboards here. Sider, his pass almost gets picked off as this is gloved down to the neutral zone anyway. And Zach Jones, he brushes it away again as Vallejuso gets a piece. Back in behind the cage, centered out in front of the blue paint. This will go to D. Sent down for Schneider. He'll try to fire it across. This is near the right side boards and backing around the cage again. It's Capococco. We'll try to get a piece of it. Rangers are there. They're moving this left to right. Jones will fire into the traffic. This goes off the wall. And now picked up in off a backhand short side opportunity as the Rangers are just firing everything at Huso. Here's another setup. And on the right side dot, they'll fire. Pick it up in the right side. Red line are the Rangers. Red Wings, again, they are under siege. They cannot get this puck out. Andrew Kopp, as this goes back here for Wallman, maybe just let everybody take a change at this point. 11 shots to 1. 1 nothing for the Rangers. And if you're a Blue Shirts fan, I see some fans standing and clapping. And why not? Their team has been excellent. Panarin! This gets turned over. The Red Wings were waiting 30 seconds to make a change, and it almost went right to the bread man in front of the paint. My goodness. And now Lafreniere will drop this one to the right side. It'll be centered out in front of the high slot. Here's some extra passing. A shot short side. Canceled off for Husso from Panarin. Now Clem Costin. Costin's got it. He turns it over. As this is near for Fisher, and now Costin tries to pick it up. Costin delivers a massive hit. I'd be surprised if there's no penalty call there, as Rasmussen puts it around the inboards. Wings have it now on the left side behind the net. Maybe they just want to hold on to this puck for a minute, but they can't do that. As this is picked up now for Lafreniere off the backhand. The Panarin and the Rangers will spin back around. Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba, and now Capococco. It's the Rangers and Peter Laviolette squad trying to get organized as this almost gets intercepted by DeBrinket. Now Keandre Miller will window this thing in the left side red line. And now maybe in across the neutral zone. A couple of spins. Rangers are just trying to find it as it's stick chopped away by Chirap, but it's not out. Dylan Larkin will get a piece of it. What can the captain see do? The Red Wings need something. And offsides. This has been a one-sided start, my friend. It's been a very one-sided, noticeably so. It feels like no matter what the Red Wings do, it feels like there are one or two Rangers all around them to shut that play down. They're, they're just to talk about which team is going to 
I've been thinking about teams that are noticing about them possibly trying to adopt some styles from the Vegas Golden Knights. Perhaps the Rangers may have taken some notes and when they're going after the under-the-radar moves, not necessarily the flashy moves like they did with Tarasenko and Kane, but some under-the-radar moves like they did with Benino, Wheeler, and, and all the defensive additions like like those two and Tyler Pitlick. I completely agree with you on that. I'll take it a step further. I know it's half-jokingly. Maybe the Rangers are doing some of the things in the locker room of the Vegas Golden Knights like the Michigan Wolverines football team is as far as the scouting sides of it because their inside information and the way that they're playing right now, I mean, they're playing the lock and key type defense. You already have the elite forwards. I know Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Blake Wheeler, Trocek, Panarin. I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth. But you can't tell me on that top six side they aren't loaded with talent. And then when they get Sisterkin back and... Adam Fox on top of that. I still think the beat will keep on rolling for the Rangers as they'll look to rebound from the first-round efforts of last year. You know, I also agree with you on that because the Rangers, they want to go for a better results as opposed to what happened last year. They want to go, go back to the, the roots of under-the-radar moves that can benefit them on a playoff push. That's what they did with Frank Petrano and Andrew Kopp. And with Justin Braun, with the additions that they made in 2022 that got them to the Eastern Conference Final. They want to replicate that and not 2023 when they got bounced by the Devils in the first round. So far, it seems to be working for Peter Laviolette, and we're seeing them dominate at even strength. And I know there were some young coaching candidates out there, but considering the way that everything is set up for the Rangers and it's a veteran-related team, I think Peter Laviolette was probably one of the only choices that they could have made. Is that what that may have been the best choice that that the Rangers had to make moving off of Gerard Gallant? Even though Gallant got you to the conference final, you need someone that can establish an identity on the long term. That's why you got Laviolette at the coaching helm. So, correction on my part, I thought it was an offside as we go to break, as I was mentioning the broadcast side, but Will Cooley is going to be called for a hold against Dylan Larkin. So the Red Wings will have their second power play. They still have just one shot, and it's about 7.30 left to go in the first on their second power play. Here's an opportunity. Larkin, full fight, they'll break it! And Jonathan Quick looks behind him, but he made the save. Oh, that was the best chance Detroit had on that second power play with Alex DeBrinkin fighting his, his fellow statesman, Dylan Larkin. And he was right out of front. Both of them coming in with such speed that can torch other defenders, but a great job by Jonathan Quick staying with the puck, showing his vintage form. He didn't have, did have to do much tonight, but he has been sharp when he was relied on. So Raymond has it now. This will go back to the D side with Goss Bear. He's on that primary power play line now. They love his production. As this will go back to Ghost. There's a big slap shot. Jonathan Quick will play this with the pedal, the stick, flip back around and clear it. Right now it says Nason is on the ice for the Red Wings. I didn't even know that. Uh, I think they mixed some of these lines incorrectly because they don't have uh, Jesper Faust as number 71. That's Dylan Larkin. So they need to do some uh, work on the TNT side as they got the wrong names on the TV side. Just to let everybody know on that end. As Gostas Bear, this goes a little bit too far an opportunity for Jimmy Vesey. I'm surprised it's still on the screen. My goodness, TNT. 
as this is picked up now and toward the right side off the back end and sent down the ice 36 seconds on the par play as this goes on the player's bench. I had to have myself a little laugh with that graphic, John, because a little mixed up with the players' names. I, I think TNT was caught up with the Carolina yes. the other day yeah, they have uh, Carolina Hurricanes on the Red Wings right now. Is this is picked up for Cider? Why are they not shooting this centered out in front? I thought the Red Wings had a golden opportunity in front of Quick, and they didn't pull the trigger. Man, oh man. 6.05 up to go in the first. Cider will drop this one back as it's JT Comfort. I'm trying not to be hypercritical of my own team, but not going to get better chances than that. As this is picked up now by Wallman near the right side boards. It's Cider. Cider now for Jake Wallman. Crisscross. Cider will let it go. It gets tipped, but the Rangers are right there. Sent it out beautifully out of the boxes. Will Cooley. But Sider throws in an elbow to dispossess him of the puck. That could have been something there. Daniel Sprung has it now. The member of the Seattle Kraken, former Washington Capitol. He's been really good for the Red Wings so far. That one is way off sides. 5.34 left. On the topic of former Carolina, on the topic of current Carolina Hurricanes, we're actually throwing some former names out there, but without the TNT is mixing it up, I'm kind of low-key surprised that 37 was not mixed up for Andre Sveshnikov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a complete mess, and I was calling it during the play-by-play. -play. I said, wait a minute, did Steve Eisman require somebody at the, uh, some type of trade that I didn't realize today? But no, it was just a little bit of miscommunication. The only reason I mention it like that is because we saw a little bit of news on the uh, Twitter and X space. It is... Um, Jack Campbell soup. He's been flat out released by Edmonton. I mean, put on waivers and a five year, $25 million <clears throat> contract. I thought this was something that he could provide some stability in net, given what he, he did in Toronto in his last season there. But it felt like, in the end, for Jack Campbell, it felt like it was all flash in the pan and not what he could bring to Edmonton on the long term. I, I, this release kind of bummed me out because I thought he could be a, a stable number one guy given what he, he did in Toronto, but unfortunately it all fell apart. And again, if you're another team, how do you even pick up that contract the way that he's playing? He might just be spending some time in the minors. And to regain some confidence with Bakersfield, perhaps, and maybe he could need that if he wants to bring back his confidence level up. I'm not sure if Bakersfield has the best, best prospect pool. I, I highly doubt it because we look at other teams and their prospect pools. We think of teams like Columbus, Buffalo, Anaheim, maybe Dallas as, better, as having some of the better prospect pools. So we looked at a couple of flashbacks that they're showing on the TNT side in the original six part in the 70s, which was pretty cool. But again, I'm not going to go ahead and throw out the names because I didn't see some of those that they were showing out there. But this is picked up now and through the neutral zone, but we will get the face off and we'll redo it. Rasmussen kicked out of the circle. 
for the Christian Fisher against Vinny Trocek. Speaking of former Carolina Hurricane, but he's on the Rangers now as this is picked up here for Jeff Petrie and wrapped around the inboards now. This is bounced up into the air, but Alexei Lafreniere has it now. And DraftKings, the over and under is five and a half goals. That's kind of what's always set up in the NHL. I don't think we're going to get to that today. I'm just going to go ahead and say that unless the Rangers completely dump all over Villahuso, they're already shooting a bunch of shots. They could get more. But I don't know about the Red Wings right now as far as matching that total. As this is picked up now for Jeff Petrie, he'll just fire it in. Again, he's a hometown guy that he's back with the Red Wings now after spending a lot of time with the Canadians and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Backhanded opportunity through traffic, kind of look like a hopeful one, but it's not going to find anybody. As this will go back here for Ghost, and he will settle it back down. 4.40 left to go in this first. When is this first period going to end? That's what it feels like for me on one side, but if you are the Rangers fan, you're feeling really good about the way that this is going. This feels like an automatic two points as this is spumped back around now and toward the right side boards. Blue shirts have it. It's not very contested as this goes into the bench. That was almost a breakout opportunity for Capococco. You know, Capococco was looking for something like this if he were to break out and get another good opportunity for the Rangers because it feels like it was all Rangers up until that second power play for the Red Wings. We know about how good the Rangers can bring with all-star goaltenders between Mike Richter, Henrik Lundqvist, and Igor Shesterkin. Even though Igor's not playing, Jonathan Quick in his prime was a good goaltender. Perhaps he's showing a bit of that old skill that he has. Yeah, he had a great start with Vegas to begin the year after being traded from the LA Kings, Columbus, picked up by Vegas on that side, and now, after contemplating retirement, gets to go to the New York Rangers, who have a really good defensive core, and again, you have a goaltender that's a backup, but kind of a backup in name only, considering how good Jonathan Quick can be, so Rangers shouldn't be losing any steps, even though they're going to be without Igor Sestrickin for a few games, at least, not a whole bunch. As this is picked up, nice touch pass from Mika Zibanejad, and this is tipped. Lafreniere, this will stay in play. Be an opportunity for Valeno off the spin. This is recollected now for the Red Wings. They'll try to gain the entry, but instead they'll just try to gain the red line and take a change. I have not seen any kind of contact there as far as consistent offensive pressure other than the Debrinket Larkin straight down the middle pass that didn't turn out to be a goal, but other than that, it's been radio silence. As this is picked up now to brink it. We'll get this one just out of the blue line. Raymond comes together on a hit. Both teams stayed on their feet. As the Rangers will flip this back around. Woolman take a look at it. And now the brink it gets smoked. Loses his glove. Keandre Miller. Truba. Crisscross. Miller will spin. He's got it now. And toward the right side as this will be sent back around. Opportunity here. It'll be Kreider off of a toe drag move. But this will go back to... Keandre Miller and Truba as they look to start again. Doesn't matter what lines that Peter Laviolette's throwing out there right now. He's rolling nothing but sevens at the craps table. This team's looking good as it's sent back around for Jacob Truba and Keandre. They're in their own end. Finally going to start to get some speed as Truba will gain the red line and flip it in. The Lake Huso has had the play on top of him, but he has only given up one. I think the Red Wings are probably fortunate at that right now. Alexei Lafreniere gets the steal. This is played between his legs. Falls to Zach Jones at the neutral zone. Gain the red. And the Rangers will start again. With 2.10 left to go in the first. Ben Chirot will flip this back around. 
as this gets intercepted, Schneider fires, and this might have bounced off somebody, but it's 204, we get a stoppage. This is still heavy siege for the Rangers, no matter what. Even though they haven't had a proper shot on goal, it seems as if Schneider got one there, the other first round pick in the same draft class as Lafreniere. But Schneider's found himself to be a key staple on this Rangers lineup on an everyday basis. Now that he has elevated himself into that role full-time, not only as a defensive option, but also contributing on the offensive end. Right off the draw and walks in was Gustafson, but Huso made a save. Can the first period end? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I wonder, because Detroit needs to get this first intermission badly in any way possible before Derek Long to get an intermission speech to his guys. As this is picked up on the defensive zone draw, again, I mean to call this straight down the middle as far as the broadcast, but what can I tell you other than New York Rangers domination? If I say that any other way, I'd be saying it incorrectly. As this is picked up now for Ole Mata, this almost gets turned over. Rangers have been all over this puck. It kind of feels like a force field when the Red Wings get in the offensive end. They can't just find a way to sustain it as Clem Costin takes a heavy hit. Cooley with a good outstretched pass. And this will bounce away from Capococco. I think he's going to take a change nonetheless. And the Red Wings will gain the red line in a huge hit before one of the wings can take a change. Holy cow, is this is sent back around for Keandre Miller and Truba. This game has been nuts. Again, there is a glove and a stick that was dropped. Again, the camera, I wish it didn't cut, but I'm telling you, it was a massive contact. As this is picked up down to the left side red line, Daniel Sprong will collect off the backhand, quickly get dispossessed by Keandre. Red Wings do keep it in. Wallman has it now for Joe Valeno. This will drop back. Red Wings trying to get centered out in front, and this shot goes wide. They were trying to screen quick there as it's flipped back around Schneider. And now sent down the ice, but it'll be gloved down by Moe as he's got this one now. Gain across the red line side, Daniel Sprong. We'll see if he can get to it, but he's just kind of waiting in front of the net. Joe Valeno can't locate it. And now the Rangers will have it as Vinny Trocek will dump it in. 20 seconds left to go in the first, and it really feels like the Red Wings be fortunate to go to the dressing room only down one. If they can't find a better effort in the second or third period, this game's going to get ugly. As this is sent down the ice, the icing is waved off. Mercifully, that is going to end the first period for one-sided, but if you're the Rangers and Peter Laviolette, do not change anything you're doing after one. That was a perfect period. As perfect as it can get for the Rangers back and forth, up and down, and Benny Troche getting the, getting the early goal for the Rangers. It feels like they didn't do any wrong there. They had 12 of the first 13 shots of this game. That's how good it went for them. And for Troche, we're speaking of former Hurricanes. One of the former Hurricanes getting it done there, we're seeing hits up plenty for both teams. Will Coley on Shane Gossespierre, another by Queen Cossett on, I believe, Brady Schneider. But everything has gone the Rangers' way. No Fox, no Keto, no Igor, no problem. You can't say it any better, Alec. Before we get into the NHL scoreboard, because the NBA election day, they're off on this side. So it's going to be all NHL. But, Alec, I'll just lay this to you as simply as I could. Yesterday, we talked about the panic index 
And I know you went between eight and a half to nine and a half, but I know you're being a little bit kind there on the Oilers, only because it's early in the year, and I get it. I don't blame you. But on this side, I do want to talk about the score from yesterday before we get into today. Canucks beat the Oilers again, this time the third time in four meetings. It's 6-2. And I want to talk about one thing in particular, because I know I texted you back and forth on that side. But McDavid trying to draw fights, and you had Dreisaitl and Hyman and McDavid all in the box at once. Let me just ask you, what the hell's going on in Edmonton? I feel like uh, I was being a little too generous the last time around <laughs> in a panic index scale for the Oilers. Because initially I was thinking either 8.5 or 9.5 or somewhere between that. And Jack Campbell being put on waivers. And now that most recent loss for them, I feel like I may be with you on the panic scale going up to 10 now for Edmonton. Panic time has truly settled in for the Oilers. Now they need to go after someone in the worst way possible. It's not going to come easy. They're going to have to scramble and fast if they're going to get a goaltender. Because we don't know who Stuart Skinner truly is. No, and again, for the Minnesota Wild, I, I saw a couple tweets on this. For the uh, Oilers pick that they had, they could have picked up Jesper Wallstead. Again, we don't really know who Wallstead is on that side, but if you believe in young goaltending, Oilers could have had that. But I'll tell you, it doesn't matter at this point. If the Oilers continue to give up four, five, six goals a game, I don't care if you put uh, Martin Brodeur in his prime back there. That's not going to fix everything. But I, I do want to ask you this. Um, I know I saw the tweet from Paul Bissonnette. I put that one out there from the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Uh, here's the thing on Thursday. I guess if you're the Oilers, you feel good about not playing a game until Thursday, getting days off. But they go to the SAP Center, and they play against the winless San Jose Sharks, 0-10-1. What happens? I, I don't think it's going to. I don't think either of us are going to say but what happens if the Sharks beat the Oilers? Uh, I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> I can just only imagine the absolute chaos that's going to ensue in Edmonton and in San Jose if the Sharks were to win over the Oilers. Because there's the good news of the Oilers taking and a bit of an extended break. Right. The bad news comes because you're... You're facing one of the worst teams in hockey. It gets even worse if you lose to that specific team. Or panic in the panic index may need to go up higher if if the Sharks come away with the win because anything is certainly possible here. But you know, I may have a I may have a gut feeling about the goaltending situation, and it feels like no goaltender may be put in a position to succeed behind that defense. And I promise we're going to move on from this topic. I just got one more question. On that side, for Jay Woodcroft over the last couple of seasons, again, he was brought in to save Edmonton, and they played pretty well over the last couple of seasons, made a couple of playoff spots. Again, they ran into Colorado a couple of years ago. No shame in that. It was a buzzsaw. And then they got canceled off in the second round by Vegas. And look, I don't care if you want to go ahead as well and try to make Jay Woodcroft the fall guy. I don't care what coach you bring in here, Alec. That's not fixing the problem either at this point. Yeah, I don't feel that coaching is the biggest issue for, for Edmonton. Because Jay Woodcroft, don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a good coach, but he can only do so much with this Oilers team 
hasn't right. fallen through this hole. Yeah, and again, I wanted to leave it at that. I wanted to make sure that we get our questions in and ask. I know on that side, you mentioned with the Tampa Bay Lightning, we won't go back into that one, but it's still 4 nothing. On that side for John Cooper, again, they've had some leads in the third period. They've lost it. They want to go ahead and kind of right the ship. It looks like they're doing that now. The Sabres and the Hurricanes, this one's tied at 1. We'll take a look at this one. In the second period, Carolina was on the power play. It looks like it just ended. It's Tony D'Angelo on the power play with his first, and Alex Tuck. Both of these are unassisted goals. Antti Ranta, 10 of 11 on that side, and Nuko Pekka-Lukin in 13 out of 14. I do want to mention this. As far as uh, Freddie Anderson, I hope that he can get well soon. Part with uh, heart conditions or whatever else it's going to be, he's going to miss some significant time. So I hope that he gets well because he's been a good goaltender, and Carolina is going to miss him, but I hope that he's on the mend and he'll get well soon. Yeah, it's a tough situation whenever you have, if you're dealing with a situation with blood clots. Yeah. And, and I know I feel with the Penguins previously because Pascal Dupuis previously had blood, a blood clotting issue in the 2016 Stanley Cup winning year. He had to hang up the laces early because of that. And, and get well soon, Freddie. Best, best wishes to you. Yeah, no doubt about that. And Carolina in the interim, you still got Peter Kochekov. You got Antti Ranta. Antti Ranta's been pretty good. Honestly, I have no complaints for Carolina on the goaltending side because every time they needed him, he's been able to answer the call. Minnesota Wild and the New York Islanders. Wild are 4-5-2 and two on the season. They need to get going. The Islanders are 5-2-3. and three. They've lost some games in OT that they feel like they could have got a couple extra points. Simeon Varlamov stops 8-9. of nine. Marc-Andre Fleury, 5 out of 6. Your goal scorers are Noah Dobson for the Islanders and Pat Maroon for the Minnesota Wild, assisted by Joel Eriksson and Jacob Middleton. With how Semyon Borlamov has been playing constantly for the Islanders and how good he has been for them, I mean, he has been putting up more numbers on the shutout department. I gotta wonder if there's something up with Ilya Sorokin, but I feel that the Islanders want to give Borlama more reps because I don't see any injury with Sorokin. He's played seven games. I feel like they want to limit his load by getting Borlama some more action. Even though Borlama is 35 and he's in the first year of a four-year contract, he's still looking good for his age. And this is a respectable effort for him. Yeah, I think so, Alec, on that side. I would double down, and I would give Simeon Varlamov some time. I know it's not the same thing for the Colorado Avalanche several years ago, but I still think Simeon's played at a high level, and you absolutely want to make sure that Ilya Sorokin is rested because, make no mistake about it, if it was good as Simeon Varlamov is, the Islanders go as far as Ilya Sorokin takes them, so they got to make sure that he gets completely healthy. And uh, one other score, but we don't have a score on this side, but it's 13-02 in the first. We're scoreless between the Jets and the St. Louis Blues, 5-4-1. It's probably a little bit better record than I thought they'd have so far. Jordan Bennington stopped 3 out of 3. Connor Hellebuck, 7 out of 7. And again, we will see if the St. Louis Blues can start to uh, pick it up a little bit with the personnel that they have. I know I'm not going to say full-scale rebuild, but when you have Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas... I mean, you still got linchpins going forward that when St. Louis gets better, they're still going to be on the team. Yeah, and for Jordan Cairo, he needs to pick it up because he, he, you paid him that much money and for the next eight years to be your franchise guy, he and Robert Thomas. The both of them need to start picking it up throughout this time. But someone else that needs to start picking it up, Connor Hellebuck. He signed a new contract this offseason. 
Yeah, and the same thing we say with Ilya Sorokin. You can triple down for Connor Hellebuck as far as what they need for the Winnipeg Jets, even though Winnipeg Jets' offensive personnel probably has a little bit more firepower. If Connor Hellebuck doesn't play that same way, look, the Jets don't have, they can't fall on uh, Varlamov. They What do they have on the backhand side? David Riddick? Because they don't have uh, one of the guys, Lauren Bossois, that went to Vegas. And yet he need, need Boussois to step up with how he did in Vegas because that's not happening right now. Because, and now that they brought him back, they need him to step up with the way that he played in Vegas, especially when he was with Vegas against Winnipeg, as ironic as this sounds, because he was a starter when Logan Thompson was out, and then Aiden Hill stepped up in his absence. So... Vegas knows about next man up mentality. Winnipeg needs to show that same next man up mentality. Thank you for correcting me on that. Yes, I had it backwards. That's what I was thinking of because I know that Laurent Bossois, he was been moving around quite quite a bit, and he's back there with the Jets. And we'll see what he can do if Connor Hallbuck continues to struggle. The late game on TNT, I thought about doing this, but I think we're going to do the Thursday game between Seattle and Colorado. I didn't want to cover Colorado twice. But the New Jersey Devils and the Colorado Avalanche, that'll be one that I'm sure Alec and I will be keeping our eyes on. But uh, Colorado Avalanche, I want to make sure that I get this correct. And I look at it. Again, it was a 7 nothing loss. We talked about that a little bit yesterday as far as the scoreline against the Golden Knights. But three of the last four games, 4 nothing, 4 nothing, and 7 nothing, they were shut out by the Penguins, the Sabres, and the Golden Knights. I think the Colorado Avalanche, I know they're without Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils on the other side. I think Colorado Avalanche comes out like a stick of dynamite. They're going to be looking to score some goals tonight and right the ship. You know, if Howdy played against Vegas, it feels like they need to have a fire lit on their eyes after what happened at Las Vegas because that was a clunker. You're not going to see that much from Colorado, but sometimes it happens against New Jersey. Even though the Devils, they're a tough opponent, this, this is a game that I can see as a bounce-back game for the ass. Yeah, I think they need one on that side. And uh, since we're in the middle of this intermission, I don't have a bunch of talking points with me. I know we have no NBA stuff tonight. But let me just ask you, you got Penguins-Ducks at 10 p.m. Eastern. How do you see that one going? With this game, I see it going as an evenly matched game, just as like I saw last time around. But with the Ducks, they're are on a hot roll, winning six straight. I'm going to go ahead and uh, look at the standings, and I'll see if anything else pops out at me. Again, we watched the Boston Bruins and the Dallas Stars just the other day. That was a fantastic game. Not really quite sure how the Boston Bruins were able to get away from the 6-on-3 from the Dallas Stars after he's going to hit the post, but they're 10-1-1 on the season on 12 games played with 21 points. And again, the Vegas Golden Knights, they lead the NHL 11-1-1 in 13 games with 23 points. Again, as you mentioned with the Ducks, they have won several games in a row on this side. Make it six. They got 14 points. The Pittsburgh Penguins have eight. That is in the bottom 
of the Eastern Conference with the Ottawa Senators, but I still feel like with the personnel that Pittsburgh has, and I'm not saying it because Alex Senior, I mean this on this set, I feel like they'll have time to turn it around, and they can still find their way to get in the playoffs. Because I would imagine teams like Montreal and Philadelphia were already trying to, already starting to see them on the downturn. I think that that is going to continue as you can look for Pittsburgh to continue to move up. But on this side, I'm going to go ahead and uh, blame myself. Again, I always thought the Kings were a good team. I didn't think the Pierre Dubois move was going to work out this well so far. But uh, they're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, and the LA Kings are 7-2-2 two two with 16 points. They look good so far this year. So far, so good. It feels like there are no complaints with the Pierre Dubois move from LA's part, especially not from Rob Blake and Bills. And they got a hot start with Dubois. He's having amazing chemistry with Kevin Fiala on that second line, right behind the trio of Quentin Byfield, Andre Kopitar, and Adrian Kempe. The question is, how long will this keep up until the flaws of the goaltending are exposed? Because of what we're seeing, the offense has been popping out, especially Fiala and Dubois. Yes, it has. I'm going to go ahead and look at... Uh... The rest of the games on the docket here, we're giving you the scoring updates. This will be tipping off shortly here, about a half hour, about 35 minutes from now. You'll have the Preds and the Flames, the Kraken and the Coyotes, the Devils and the Avalanche, as you mentioned. Late game with the Penguins and Ducks at 10, and the Flyers and Sharks, that'll be at 10.30. That'll be the late game and the Shark Tank. As far as tomorrow... There is not a lot to look forward to on the docket. You do have the Sens and the Maple Leafs and the Panthers and Caps on TNT as the opener, but the late game on TNT tomorrow, that's going to be one that you're going to want to tune in for. The LA Kings are 6-0 and on the road. Again, 7-2-2 and on the season. They're going to be playing against the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena, so don't miss that one tomorrow at 10 Eastern. So basically, the Royal Rumble does not WWE. <laughs> We speak of scoring updates. Flight 55 in Winnipeg. Mark Scheifele on the man of from Former King Alex Haifalo and longtime stalwart for the Jets, Kyle Connor. He's been more known as a goal scorer. He gets a secondary assist. But that game between the Kings and Golden Knights, which is what we consider the Royal Rumble, because the Kings on the field on the road up against the Golden Knights, who remain the class of the league up there with the Bruins. Here's the thing I never thought I would say to you on this side, but I feel like it has to be said at this point. The top three in the Pacific are the Vegas Golden Knights, the Vancouver Canucks, and the LA Kings. That might be your same top three by the time we get to the end of the season. It's strange as we see things in the NHL because we thought that the top three would be comprised of Vegas, Edmonton, and either LA or Seattle. But now, those spots are being taken by Vancouver and one of the two L.A. teams because Anaheim is part of the L.A. metro area. Right. And they're fourth in the Pacific. That's a spot that we never thought we would see from them this early in the year. But, man, they have been so good to start off. This is exactly what they needed to get their rebuild going and get out of this rebuilding spot. Get everyone involved on the young side between Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry, Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish. Jamie Drysdale, even Jackson Lacombe from the U of Minnesota. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, I, 
I don't say that very often as far as already given seedings now, especially just 12, 13 games in the season, but it kind of feels that way. Everything else in the West and the Central, between the East and the Metro and the East and the Atlantic, that's definitely going to have a lot more movement, so nothing is going to be decided. It should be very competitive. But again, as we mentioned yesterday a little bit, with the Pacific and the Sharks, the Oilers and the Flames, all three Pacific teams, all the worst teams in the league at that point, that really kind of limits the space that's left for the other top seeds and kind of gives them the cushion. I understand it's early in the year, and you can't lose the division in October and heading into early November, but you certainly can put yourself in behind the eight ball, and that's what the Sharks, the Oilers, and the Flames have done so far today. It feels like that, but when you look at the Sharks, it feels like it feels something as if when you trade away Eric Carlson, even though you were bad at home last year, yes, he had a Norris Trophy winning year, he had one points, and you're it feels like you're embracing the rebuild. Okay, no, when you have Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle. And several anchor contracts. It feels like you're 40 to take a lost season. And you know, with Mike Greer, with the direction that the Sharks are going, I might not blame them for 40 to take a lost season because they're showing the direction to play long-range games mm -hmm. with their stats. Build their confidence on the young guys like William Eklund, Thomas Bordalo, Will Smith, Edwin involved there. Yeah, I think you have to do that. It's the Sharks are in that spot. And I think with all the success that they've had, at least for playoff runs, they haven't won any cups or anything on that side. And you remember the days like Devin Setaguchi, Joe Thornton, and Joe Pavelski that was always haunting my dreams against the Red Wings on that side. But they've been in the playoffs for a long time. They've been competitive. They're in a bit of a downturn, but they'll come back. Do you want to take this second period? Hey. I'm open to it. I want to get some play-by-play -play action right here, here with you, John. Go ahead, my friend. I'll back you up. All right, so underway here in the second period, I am Alec Nava, joined here by John I at MSG, the world's most famous arena in Manhattan between the Red Wings and the Rangers. Rangers lead 1-0 in what was mostly a one-sided first period. The Rangers had 12 of the first 13 shots of the game. Detroit controlling it at their own trapezoid. This is Jeff Petrie, running to 46 to honor his dad. Dan, who was a pitcher with the Tigers. We're getting a stop to play here. It appears we have a holding penalty as a signal from our officials. So again, the Alec Vision is a little bit ahead of me. They got a hold or a trip there. They're caught on the leather side. So this will go against the Rangers on that side. And the Red Wings will get their third power play of the game. The only question on this side, can they actually do something with it? They haven't had a lot of puck possession other than the Larkin to bring it play right down the middle. It looks like Wheeler is going to get busted for the second time of his game, the game it looks like. Yeah, he, he was bear-hugging Petrie. I mean, <laughs> it was clear as day. He was straight up bear-hugging him. So, full start on the draw. We'll get to do this again. This is being anchored by JT Comfort at the dot at the right circle. The Rangers get a big face-off win, and they'll clear this down to distance. Where Billy Huso just come out to his left and leaves it behind for Mo Sider, who is quarterbacking this power play. He, Dale Sprong, Andrew Cobb, JT Comfort, Jake Woman out there. So it's the second unit to begin things as the Red Wings go to the net. And a little, little takedown there on the Rangers' part. They'll call... As Sider could not keep it in, he had trouble with one Ranger. Here they come short-handed. Here's a pass right in front. And Hoax 
they're going to get a shot off. But like Huso was staying with it, the Rangers still have a short-handed. Oh, so close. There being some short-handed magic for the Rangers. But so close, yet so far, the Red Wings now pick it up. Cannot drive it in there. Met at the line at the left side. And the Rangers, good job there. 47 seconds into the man advantage to force an offside. Yeah, again, when you give a chance for Sider trying to get this one on near the right side boards, and he can't, that turns into a two-on-one. And then there's a chance wide open in the middle of the slot. Mind you, the Red Wings are on a power play, if you can believe that. It's right in front of the circles for a one-time chance that goes wide. This has been really, really poor on one side. Really, really good for the Rangers, though. It feels like... Despite the scoreline, it's still all Rangers in front of this game. Even though the Red Wings, they're still in the middle of their power play. They have the, fir the first unit out there, but nothing out of this first unit either. Shane Gossespierre took a deflection. Past the halfway mark of this man advantage, Dylan Larkin will beat this to his right. And now entering the zone is Alex Debrinkin. Drop pass for David Perron. This will go cycle round for the Boers. Jonathan Quick will let this fly. Rangers trying to clear this out. This slipped right by through a Red Wing. And then this goes all the way down to the trapezoid and the joints end at the right side of the rink. Red Wings wearing their road whites, red sweatpants, got the spare. Quarterback in this power play shot this one in. Went off a Red Wing. No, it didn't. They're going to say it went off the wall as Lucas Raymond could not settle it down. And this will be cold and icy. Very interesting. Again, it's just simple puck entries there for Jake Wallman. He couldn't find a way to make a pass as the camera pans to Derek Lalonde. It just seems like the Red Wings were not ready to get up to play this game. And for the Rangers, again, they've been excellent on the road. They finally get a chance to come home. The fans get a chance to watch them. They have just punched this Red Wings team right in the face so far. And it's not like the Red Wings haven't been good this year. They need to wake up a little bit. And feels with the Red Wings, they're, they're a good offensive team. We've seen that throughout they join you in the game between them and the Calgary Flames. And that, that, that game, they showed their offensive prowess as Jonathan Quick. He's going to glove this down on a little chip. But Detroit, they show what they're capable of against Calgary. And they show what they're capable of against teams like Boston. Other playoff contenders that they face in their first 13 games of the season. So the easy part of the schedule will kick in right after this for Detroit. But we'll see how far these two teams go. Yeah, we'll have to, because again, when you talk about that, you have Montreal, Columbus, and Ottawa in the next three games before you go to the Sweden side. So those are points that they got to pick up. And very much so for Detroit, even though they don't convert. Now this power play so first time is not the charm. They need something here, and right now, offside is Holy Mata trying to stretch pass for Christian Fisher. 17-11 left in the second period. Did another offsides call here with 17-11. Again, 13 shots to 6. I'll give you a little bit of reset as far as uh, scoring summaries. is Vinny Trocek at 140 on that side in the first period. And as far as the team stats, 13 shots to 6, 10 hits to 5. Faceoffs are 10-10 apiece. It's mostly Rangers. Red Wings have had three power play opportunities, and the Rangers don't have any yet. It's been amazing because normally we would see the Rangers on the power play 
and they were capitalized on the majority of them, but so far the, the Rangers are playing a more defensive game, while the Red Wings are getting shut down by set defensive game. The Rangers trying to attack once again at Detroit's end. It's controlled at the right point. Now at the right circle, Eric Gustafson drops it right back to Alexi Lavernier. Lavernier, a long shot. This goes wide. He looked for the budget. Michael Rasmussen could not clear it. It was a good jump by Ryan Lindgren over the glass to go up this one down. Lusso will bring this one out, and Detroit can now fling this right through. Jonathan Quick slows it down so that Gustafson can pick this one up. Puck is still loose behind that. It's now controlled by Brady Schneider. We'll just move this on over to the left boards and then tic-tac-toe across this Lafreniere Celtic where Schneider passed the butt did, got over to Lafreniere, shakes off a man. But could not control this any further. Detroit cannot clear either. Held in by Will Cully. Cully is going to the high slot now at the top of the left circle, watched by Daniel Sprong. Cully will shift over to the point and now a handoff for Zach Jones. Jones dancing his way to the slot and a slow shot. Luso had to make a save on that one. That could have been 2 nothing Rangers. And now Detroit clears it out. And up they come with speed. The Red Wings look at the far side of the boards. Now Joe Valeno behind the net at the near corner. Shakes out Cully. And now pass back to the right point. Now Mata will hand it up over to his right. Long shot save. Here's a rebound test. This goes wide above the glove. Quick. Gosses Bear. Who's he passing to there? Felt like he had nobody there to his left, and the Red Wings were forced to regroup. Now here are the Rangers with it. Zach Jones will just hand off as the Rangers will take their time with their line changes. Schneider will go back to Jones, and now here's a long stretch pass that took it to Flushing. Wait, we were the first two to this puck at the far corner. So go over to the left side for all reliable Chris Kreider. Now behind the net is Wheeler, former Winnipeg Jet captain. Give and go for Kreider as he controls this puck and then backhands it through. This goes back to the right circle for Kreider. He'll lose the puck for Mata. So in the danger zone for Detroit as they're getting away from several Rangers. Just no matter where they are, it feels like there are one or two Rangers who shut down those plays. But here's Detroit controlling. Long stretch pass with the middle just deflected up a Rangers skate. Gustafson now picking this up at the near corner. Hand off at the near side. Barclay Goodrow in control on the left side. And now a dump and chase by Ryan Lindgren. This will be picked up by Ben Sherratt. Several Rangers in the way of this puck, but now the Red Wings will start things up once again. Here they come. JT Copper, former Ab, will just chip right this through at the near corner, right back for Sherratt. Sherratt's shot blocked. Didn't even come close to the net. And a pass blocked. The Red Wings able to keep this in by just a slim margin. Dylan Larkin cut off there. And now a backhand pass from Lucas Raymond to Alex Debrinkin. Now Larkin with the puck, and Debrinkin shoots, oh Nice five by Donovan Quick, who was scrambling for the puck. 13.48 left in this second period. He gets the whistle as he just gobble gobbles this puck like it's Thanksgiving. Well, Alex Debrinkin might show some sign of life. You know that he's been doing that. He's still kind of around the NHL scoring leader side of it. 
But let me just make this point very clear. I'm glad you mentioned this during the play-by-play -play side of it for Gossespierre in the past, because I'm sure he didn't know where it was going. But I don't care if Zach Jones is a bottom six part of the defenseman. When you allow him to toe-drag swag right in the middle of the defense side and pick cherries and try to shoot and score, Red Wings are lucky they weren't down 2 nothing on that side. Zach Jones or not, you've got to cover the middle of the ice. You have to, because that almost was a goal-scoring opportunity for Jones, who has been mostly at the AHL with the Rochester Americans. Now he's getting called up because of the injury to Adam Fox. And and this place like these are why the Rangers need it, are embracing that next man up mentality, whether it be from their bottom pairing defenseman or their recent call-ups. I agree with you on all of that, and again, I'm not trying to go too hypercritical on the Red Wings side. When I saw the play from Chirot, looked like he was fanning on a wrist shot. That almost turned out to be an opportunity as well. I don't know if Detroit just had a late night or whatever the heck it was, but they look like they haven't even played together this year as far as that's considered. And look, as you talk about the next man up mentality, there could be a lot of excuses on the Rangers side when you're missing a guy that's a mainstay at the point in Adam Fox. When you're missing somebody like Filipino that's always on the kid line side and stabilize everything. I'm not seeing any of that on the Rangers end. And I like the point you made in the first period for Peter LaViolette. That defensive side, it looks like that's becoming a staple of what they want to buy into and why they win games on the road so far this year. But if they could find a way to tap in their, into their offense and still play this way on defense, the Rangers are going to be scary, scary good this year. You know, it looks like they took some notes of what happened in that first round on series against the Devils. Yeah. And they're, they're marking all the check boxes here. They're checking all the boxes and their way to turn things around so far this year. And it's well said. That's exactly what I'm seeing right now. I've been thoroughly impressed by the Blue Shirts. So we get back underway here in this second period. We're in the middle frame. And here come the Rangers. Trochik is going to go to the left for our tank. Panarin. Panarin's shot wide to the Rebound! Lafren here almost had one there. Uso closed off that door. Dylan Larkin dropped pass. Here's the brink it. Across to Raymond. Going to get a clean look at this puck as this still right by his stick. Rangers in control now. This is Panarin. Panarin going over to the left side. In the center for Trochik. Now Lafreniere. Lafreniere out in front. And that pass broken up. That went out with defender stick. In the meantime, as we get stopped to play, no payout. Robert Thomas, a goal each between Winnipeg and St. Louis. The Jets lead 2-1. So we will keep you updated again. It's going to be heavy in HL Central because you got no NBA games tonight. And the NFL finished their week side in the week nine. So we have plenty of games to talk about and go through. Rangers history. 11-game point streak for Martin Panarin, only train Rod Gilbert, and Fed 14. Some history in the making for the bread man. There were the blue shirts and some elite company for him to be placed at with Rod Gilbert, whose jersey number's retired as this howitzer sails wide the net to the right. Gustafson's going to try again, or he'll defer over to Mika Zabanajad. Zabanajad being watched closely and tight. Gustafson goes for Toro. Now over the right circle, Zabanja tic-tac-toe! And Gustafson fan on the shot. He gets checked hard on a reverse hit by one of the Red Wings, and Detroit clears it down. We are going to have a penalty in the meantime. This may be against Detroit, so the Rangers may be headed to the power play for the first time. And it's the 
One time Ranger Andrew Cobb had a two to seven. A hooking call. Again, Darren Peng wasn't sure if it was going against Cobb or Mata. It is Cobb that's going to the box. And you said that beautifully. It was what a spin set up there for Gustafson. And drive and cross pass after the spin for Gustafson. And Cop, I think he had to do it because Gustafson might have put that out of the air and made it a 2 nothing game. But what a play. You know, you're not wrong there, John, because that, was a, that felt like it was a necessary penalty to take. Don't risk giving up the two-goal deficit. Just, just commit the penalty to make sure they have a lesser chance. And the Rangers score! That might not matter much anymore. <laughs> Eric Gustafson gets the initial shot. We're not sure if Kreider got a stick on it. He may have. He does what he does best. The fucking pucks at the front of the net. It is nothing. Well, you said it right, and they're living right. Chris Kreider gets the deflection. He take the penalty to try to stop it, but 11 seconds later it goes back in the net. And just deserved for the blue shirts on the side of it. Again, I mentioned in yesterday's story about Joe Pavelski being the best uh, tip man in the business on the deflection, but it obscures Husso's vision. Works around for David Gustafson. Simple tip in front of the net, and Husso never saw it. It's 2 nothing Rangers. Yeah, yeah, between Joe Pavelski and Chris Kreider, these two, they're the best at the business in tipping pucks at the front of the net. Kreider now has 75 tipping goals since the 2015 season. That's the most in the league since that margin, John. Holy cow, and again, that's past Joe Pavelski on that side, who I consider to be numero uno, probably only because of the playoff line when I think about it against uh, that first round. We get a, another whistle here. What's the call going to be this time? We're not sure if the Red Wings are going to be penalized again, but it seems they will be not oh boy. even seconds after the first power play ended with a goal. Look, I'm trying to be as straight down the middle as I can as far as all this stuff, and I'll make sure I won't blow a gasket. Mercifully, I had to make sure that Alec probably takes his play-by-play -play anyway because I don't know if I was going to make it the whole way through. But you play this way against the New York Rangers, you're going to be served your lunch. Looks like Christian Fisher is getting called for a trip. I didn't know if this was tripping or interference at the beginning, but Christian Fisher, he definitely did get some contact on Braden Schneider. Yeah. And whenever you're getting contact when Schneider doesn't have the puck, you're getting called for a penalty any day. Again, I have to remind myself that the Rangers are an elite team and two out of three broadcasts between the Devils and the Rangers that uh, I'll see things like these. The Red Wings are still a good team, but are they the elite of the elite? I don't think so yet. Yeah, they, they need to do a lot more work and just see if they can do this on a consistent basis before they get there. Bunker out down. By Zabanjan for Gustafsson. Zabanjan Pallister! That one at 91, but it sailed wide. He wanted to get one of those Ovechkin type goals because that's his office and his trademark. Many other players have emulated that, including Zabanjan and Steven Stamkos. Puck over to Barsight. Contested now, and another goal! Vincent Trotek at the high slot. Two power play goals in as many man bad situations. For the Rangers, it's free nothing. Open after some gorgeous puck movement by the Rangers right on the left dot. I know what the Red Wings fans are going to say now when this game is done. And all the contact is going to be against Ville Husso, and he's not the guy to get it done. Let me ask you this. How's Husso going to stop that one? 
it, you're, you're not. In, in most cases, you're not because that's a wide open net that you're leaving behind because you're paying attention to Zabanejad a lot. But it's pick your poison from there. Either give it the goal from Zabanejad or Trocek. This looks a lot a couple years ago like the Rangers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when they got some power plays and played like this, they can be absolutely elite. Yeah, it feels like that game ain't on full display. Just as Dylan Larkin gets cut away, Dabrinkin keeping his end down low. Larkin at the far corner, he's going to go back to the point. Johnson Bear loads up, he fires this one wide. Mata rushes in to keep this down end. Pass right in front, Larkin trying to deflect it. Donovan Quick, still being a brick loader, he hasn't been tested much. But he has stopped every Detroit shot, eight of them. So the eight ball working towards the Rangers' favor, in a sense. Rangers shoot this down for the ice, the full race for it. Mata wins the, the race. So there'll be a face-up over the Rangers, and Jimmy Vc kind of sour about that. Ah, uh, man, that was awfully close. It looked like Vc was turning on the Jets. He probably could have got there against Mata, but the Red Wings get the call there. Dylan Larkin, the captaincy, you can't give up. There's tons of times in this game. I like that chance out in front, but it's well said by you with Jonathan Quick. The way that the Rangers are playing right now, if Jonathan Quick just takes care of his business, this should be an easy two points. It's just an everyday type of business for Jonathan Quick, no matter if it is with the Kings, Golden Knights, or the Rangers now of his new team. And New York teams are really doing well right now as Oliver Wallstrom scores on the power play. We speak of New York teams and power plays. Oh, they've been doing well in that area. Daniel Sprung is being forced back to his own end by Tyler Pitlick. Good defensive effort from the Rangers so far in this game as Joe Valeno is going to skate this up through the Rangers logo and then just shoot this right down and in. Puck now at the far corner is picked up. Valeno has some trouble behind the net. Robbie Fabio sent this right back, but the pass is intercepted intended for Gossespierre. Now here's Oli Mata with Tyler Pitlick watching him. Pass nearly intercepted. But Detroit still has it. Mata. He'll corral this with his backhand. And now give a go to the far side for Fisher. Oh, tries him a tough angle. Easy save there for Quick. Ninth save of the game on Detroit's ninth shot of the game. We'll take a break here. Man, I kind of feel bad, Alec, on this side. Maybe we should have did the, t the 10 o'clock game in between the Devils and the Avalanche. It's kind of the way that it's going. I didn't want to double up on the Avalanche too many times. But here's the critical question I could throw out to anybody who was listening late in between the Twitter space or the YouTube side. What would have been the case if Detroit only gave up one in the first? Imagine if they didn't. This could easily be a five or six goal game. Yeah, this, this could have easily gone out of hand because the Rangers, they've been buzzing on every cylinder, prism, any geometrical shape that you can yeah. name. Because it, it has been a one-sided affair. The score may be misleading by how the Rangers have played. They've been shutting down the Red Wings on all facets. They're doing to the Red Wings what the Devils did to them in Game 7. Yeah, and it looks like it's a personal out there. And uh, you know what? Honestly, if you're the Red Wings, again, you take this and you uh, hold on to it, just like what it was with the Devils in the opening night when I did that broadcast. That was a game that they could have won, but they didn't. And this one is a situation where, look at it honestly, look at yourself in the mirror. You're playing the Rangers at MSG. It's a national TV game. If you're not ready to go, anybody can make you look silly. And all these third period comebacks, I will say this, 
for the Red Wings. Again, they've had them against the Bruins. They've had it against the Islanders. They've had some of these ones where they perk up against the Lightning late. You don't win games many times by just coming back in the third period and drilling teams. That's not winning hockey. That's not going to work forever in any of these games. And this should be a big wake-up call. And I would expect when the Red Wings get a chance to play again against the Montreal Canadiens that they got to bring a much better effort here. And they need a complete turnaround when they beat the Canadiens because comebacks are not the typical way of winning games. And that's not a winning brand of hockey. No. The Toronto Maple Leafs can attest to that. Last night, so can the Florida Panthers when they nearly lost on a comeback by Columbus but erased that with a comeback of their own in the third period and overtime. So we'll see the way the rest of this goes. My only question now, Alec, is how many more are the Rangers going to score? That's what I'm feeling right now, but take away the play-by-play. -play. Yeah, they nearly had one on a one-timer from the left circle from, I believe, Trocek because they saw it was a right-shot player, but it's still a pre-nothing hockey game. As the Rangers are doubling the Red Wings and the shot total, 18-9, narrowly kept in by the Red Wings. They rolled his onside as David Perron is in a heap of trouble along the far corner. Rangers cleared out all the way, picked up by Lafreniere. New second line between Panera, Trotek, and Lafreniere has been buzzing. Trotek setting it, setting up right across. The pass wasn't there. The Red Wings took it away. It's a long shot that was bouncing in front. Mele Husso got a piece of that. Puck down behind the net. Mata having trouble with Trotek. Trotek, nice takeaway there. Lafreniere, Panera, ho, ho, ho. Nearly another goal for the Rangers, but so remains. I bring up the hockey game. Panarin could have had another one on that second line. They've been buzzing here. Pass out of front. Panarin scores! There it is! Lafreniere to the bread man. It is a 4 nothing hockey game. Panarin is just sitting wide open in front of the blue paint. What kind of defense are the Red Wings playing? Do they not think that he's going to put that in the top of the right corner? You could pull Vallejuso if you want and put in James Reimer, but he's going to feel the pain right now. Mata and Gostaspair, they get a chance to get a piece of it, but Mata immediately loses it to Lafreniere, and nobody picks up the bread man. And the bread man still one of the most dangerous shooters in the game today, and this game, and this goal has displayed it, you gotta account for him every time. You can't just leave him out on an island all day every day because he's going to fire that one right into the basket every time. Red Wings looking for him as a backhand. Quick stop that one. It looked like he would make a desperation save effort on his right. Jake Wallman keeps this one in at the left wing. It's a long shot blocked by Wheeler. And the Rangers pick this up once again. They bring this out to neutralize and then cleared us down the entire way. But this was sent in from behind the red line. Detroit will have a face-off at the Rangers' end. Well, Alec, this looks like a good old-fashioned, you don't have dental hygiene, and you're taking more drills than you would at the dentist. That's what it is right now for the Detroit Red Wings. They are getting lit up by the Rangers here at MSG. I'm still having fun with it, but I can only call it the way that I'm seeing. The Red Wings have only 10 shots. Rangers have 19, but they got four on the scoreboard. It feels a little weird seeing that R.K. Panarin shaved his head in the offseason. It was a little, a little weird not to see him with his typical <laughs> flow, like dating back to 
Cincinnati. Adam for the puck over the bar corner. Pass in front was blocked off. That's what was Wheeler. And the best defensive forward on this possession for the Rangers. So far, or right now, Lucas Raymond tried to pass. That was blocked off in front as well. It's held in by Jeff Petrie. Petrie cycled his around all the way to Raymond. And Alex DeBrinkin will just set us on the cross. Here's a big shot. Big save by Jonathan Quick. It's only that LA Kings vintage. Here's a pass cross for Petrie. He waits. He shoots. That fires wide. And it exits the zone. The Rangers out of arms weight on skate. As a big save from Jonathan Quick. And then Petrie shot misses the net. Red Wings about to go right back into the zone. They shoot this one around for the boards from the far side. Joe Valeno rushes in at the near corner. Valeno on his backhand controlling away from two Rangers, including Nick Benino. Benino on the takeaway as he's protecting this from Valeno. Sends it out for Ryan Ligren. Puts strong on a spin cycle. Across for Gustafson. Gustafson will lead the rush. Tic-tac-toe. Chicago Kako was cut off and Valeno will backhand chip this. Whereas throughout by Gustafson, the Rangers pick it up once again. Moving down the ice rather quickly here. And a spin move by Cully. Well, Cully's going to send this off to his right for Schneider. And now Schneider's going to send this to the near corner. Capococco is there, so was Benito and Gossespierre. Now at the far side is Benito. Benito will hand off at the far side. We're racing in, I believe it's Zach Jones. Jones will send this to Schneider. At the right side of the circle. At the trapezoid now, right back for Benito. As Cully is getting spun around by Gossespierre. Here's a feed on over to the left point. Now moving in is Jones. He's on a man and tries to shoot it. Husto had to make the save on a desperation sliding effort onto the right side. Schneider will reload for Jones. Jones tries again. Scar! Might have been the flexion in front by Will Cully. But the Rangers, they're firing on all cylinders. Zach Jones with the shot. Cully was at the tip. Taking a page of the Chris Kreider playbook. It is 5-0. Well, I want to say this. I already said this was Zach Jones on the part of the uh, broadcast when you've been calling a, a boatload of goals here in the second. Four for the Rangers on that side. And again, you got a great save by Jonathan Quick after Petrie dismissed the net. But Zach Jones is just wheeling and dealing. He's skating all over the Red Wings. And then by the time it gets dropped and deflected in, again, Huso is not going to make that save. He can't see it in front. Cooley provides the screen. Hey, they haven't played Alex Lyon yet this year. Come on down. The price is right. I mean, the price is right indeed. For a moment like this, you've you got to wonder if a goaltending change would change something as we get a cross-checking penalty. Not sure what it is on, but it's going to be on Detroit. And the Rangers, for the third time, will head to the power play of a cross-checking penalty from Jake Wallman. Goals, goals, and more goals for the Rangers. It's 5 nothing as we head to the commercial break. Well, I'll tell you this, everybody on the YouTube side. Again, I know sometimes people will listen in on this a little bit later or on the Twitter or X space. If Alec wasn't in here right now, I probably would have blown my, a lid on this side and maybe lost a voice, uh, <laughs> lost, lost some kind of gasket here. But I'm keeping it together. But, I mean, come on. The way that I've seen this in Between the Devils, and now I'm seeing this against the Rangers again. There are some people that talk about the Red Wings aren't an elite team. And I get it. I still think they'll be in the mix. 
But let me look at this just honestly, going on the commercial break, just honestly, in the sense of Ben Chirot and Jeff Petrie. Again, I like Ole Mata. I think he's been a serviceable defenseman. But in between Ben Chirot and Jeff Petrie and Justin Hall, who's not playing today, those are probably three defensemen that would be moved on if this team was in a spot to at least compete and be elite. Same thing for Daniel Sprong or Clem Costin or Christian Fisher. Those are good back-end guys right now, but on a championship team, would they still be here alongside Austin Zarnick? No, they would not. So this really does tell you, for as good of a start as the Rings have had, with the hellacious schedule that they've had, there is still a lot of work left to do for Steve Eisman and company. A lot to do with this Iser plan that he is commencing here in Detroit. And it has his highlights for what's provided with the major signings such as JT Comfort and Andrew Kopp. But it does have its moments where it can derail just a bit. And you mentioned about Ben Chirot, Jeff Petrie, and Justin Hall. Who knows if these are contracts that can be moved up in the offseason, but so far it, look, it looks like they are. Yeah, again, there's they're still trying to make moves. And again, even though Eisman's in year five, you really kind of think about it as a year two or year three, because when you had guys like Franz Nielsen, Justin Abelkader, Jonathan Erickson, Jimmy Howard, there really wasn't much for Eisman to do. So when you play teams like the New York Rangers, you might see nights like this. Yeah, you, you may see nights like this indeed. When you're going up against a contending team like the Rangers, establishing themselves and looking to be an elite team as Cryer nearly tipped one in. And the Rangers are buzzing right now. You expect games like these. And these, and these, but these efforts, you got to do a lot better with what they're providing. Yeah. Zibanejad doesn't shoot. And the goal line is to pass over to Gustafson. Zibanejad fakes the shot again. Gustafson will go right back to Zibanejad. That shot was blocked. Trying that one-timer from the left circle. That's what he does best. Pass right back for Artem Panarin. A look over the right circle, right in the middle. Here's Totek looking for the hat trick. And that shot goes wide. Panarin will pick it up. But his puck was forced way out. And Quick is going to come out and play this to Gustafson, quarterbacking this second unit. He gets some changes from either from both sides. Oli Mata is going to backhand this to neutral ice. And here's a long pass for Trocek, who's on hat-trick watch now. Pass to the left side for Gustafson. He's at the half wall on the left side. This pass goes nowhere, and Detroit can shoot this all the way down. And the Rangers will have to restart on the power play. Andrew Kopp. Tried to cut off a pass to him, Jonathan Quick, but Quick was not for a single bit. Zibanejad takes it across. Here's a drop pass over the blue line, and picking it up now on a fake, I believe, was Alexi Lafreniere, and on his feet, making a pass back to Lafreniere. Now on to the left half wall. Pass down low. Here's Lafreniere, a shot! And that was grabbed a piece up by Uso on the puck, and a loaded long shot rebound! Uso got two of them there. Red Wings can't clear. They're still under heavy siege from this ferocious Rangers power play. This puck goes out in front, and the Red Wings finally kill off a penalty. They badly need this one. And here's a shot from Comfer. Five got a piece of what's quick. Now a give and go on neutral ice as one of the Rangers gets decked at the red line. And a hip check. You don't see those often nowadays in the NHL. But they're still alive and well here. But that last hit 
Detroit moves this in over the far corner. Rangers burst in a puck. They're trying to clear the zone, and they do so. And backhanded, this was Gossespierre who turns it over to the Rangers, and the Rangers can't find anything off this chance. Now moving on back is Raymond, who stops. Now shoots at the left side, and then the second one, those two were blocked. Rangers pick it right back up. Larkin trying to glove it down. This puck sails over his head. Detroit brings it right back in. This goes around for the board to the far side for Raymond. Oh, fan on this pass. Rangers pick it up and are moving with numbers at the pre on to the other side. Pass across for Pitlick. Oh, fires. And that man caught Iron or Huso may have got a piece of it. Pass back to the point. Now the high slot. Huso a save. Grabbed down by Zach Jones. Tries to not pass it. As he had Schneider wide open to his right. Now Jones moving right down low. Puck is wide open. Right for the taking in the slot. Detroit can't clear. Schneider holds it in. Turned over to the Red Wings on to Petrie. And brought in by Alex Debrinke. who just shoot this down. Quick out to the trapezoid to play it. Rangers couldn't move this out. The Red Wings now in control. But not before the Rangers bring it back in on a breakaway. Here comes Chris Kreger. And he misses. An opportunity for the touchdown, but he'll have to wait there. Moving in his Rasmussen, loses the puck, and Jonathan Quick will do the rest and cover it up. 145 left in the second. Just when you think it can't get any worse, if you're a Red Wings fan, Chris Kreider zooms in on a breakaway, almost makes it 6 nothing, gets a touchdown, and he just gets right past the defense. And Dylan Larkin, I guess, he must have been holding right bumper and clicking in the left stick playing NHL 24. A good old-fashioned hip check on Alexei Lafreniere. Oh, you don't see those often nowadays in the NHL, but it feels like we're watching NHL 24 on full display with that hip check. All Red Wings are getting set because Nick Bonino does not have a stick, but the rest of his teammates help him out. Now Bonino rushes back to get grab his stick. Red Wings don't control. At the right side is a cider who passes down low behind the net. Rushing in to grab this puck. Now it is Robbie Fabry, but the, the Rangers now pick it up. Just kept in by, by Cider. Now pass down low for Costin, who loses an edge. So does a Ranger. Two players blow a tire, but the Rangers get this down nonetheless. Here's Woman, the main piece of the Nick Letty trade in the return. Who fires along for the Rainier to the far side. Bolano placed this one around the boards as well, but first two was Gustafson. One red wing jumps in. Fabry is second. Now grabbed down by Chirot. And Chirot cycling along on his backhand. Now hands it off over to Bolano. Bolano's cut off by Lindgren. And the Rangers get this all the way down to the choice end. Low stick there from Lafreniere, but he couldn't do much as this reached to one red wing. 31 seconds left in the second period as Detroit clears from their own zone. 27 to go. Well, it's been a very one-sided contest. 26-12 are the official shots in favor of the Rangers. 20 seconds to go. Rangers are looking to, well, from what we're seeing here, burn some clock down. Not taking any chances here. They're just shutting the Red Wings down the rest of the way. 10 seconds to go. And the Red Wings on a two-on-two bring this across. Here's Daniel Sprong to the outside. He may have got tripped up. And Jacob Truba is going to touch it up. And indeed, the ref seat is called. The Red Wings go to the power play as Trocek, one of the rarest low light from when he has displayed from this game, trips up Daniel Sprong. Or that was Keandre Miller, excuse me. 
Well, the Red Wings will have a power play to at least work with to start the third period. Hey, I'm almost at the point, Alec, I would let you finish the rest of this game because I'm scared that the Rangers might score 10 in the way that this is going, but I'll uh, manage up for the third and see what happens on that. I appreciate you getting all these goal calls in. At least I gave you a full workout. You must have felt like you called two periods in one. <laughs> you know, what you said about the point of if you know, like the Rangers may be scoring 10 just as we have the period 10. Hey, you know, I might have been in this position before because one time when I was playing chill, when I was playing against the Penguins, going up against one of my college friends, he was playing against the Rangers, and he scored 10 on me. Oh, man. <laughs> Feel, feeling the pain. I understand that. Hey, I will tell you this before I get into some comments in the second period. I know NHL 24, whenever that stuff goes on sale on Christmas or you do pick up a Series X, we could play that. But uh, I'll tell you this, there's going to be a patch in a few days that's going to address the hip checks and some of the other things. The game's not in a great state, so if we do play some club stuff, it's a little rough out there, but we'll do the best we can. You know, I'm more of an I'm more of a offline player, but okay. I, I may be open to online in that sense. Yeah, and we speak of the Rangers, well, not only with current Rangers, but former Rangers. Here's a name that I never thought would expect to be on the scoreboard for the Wild. Vinny Lettieri has tied it up at two even with the Wild and the Islanders. That is definitely a name on that side. Again, for the Minnesota Wild, they are going to need all the secondary goal scoring that they can get. It can't just be the Kirill Kaprizov experience. I know you've mentioned that many times. Also, 2-1 to one is the score between the Jets and the Blues. I just want to make this point in the second intermission as far as the game that we're covering today. And uh, it was from the last couple of power plays there for the Rangers. Look, I know that they exploded for a couple between 731 and 815, not even a minute apart on that side. But it really did look like to me that the Red Wings were playing a little bit of a shell. And they were just allowing the Rangers to wheel and deal the puck from face-off dot to face-off dot. And we say this all the time, or it's an adage where the, the puck always moves faster than the man. And I get that. Good puck movement is hard to deal with. But if you're Derek Lalonde's squad, you cannot allow them to just move this puck around from D side to the circles. You've got to be able to forecheck a little bit and get some pressure because if the Rangers are allowed to continue to move this puck around, they're just going to score more. It's not going to change. Yeah, yeah back and forth, we've seen this from the Rangers time and time again. Whenever you get the Rangers spacing and the passing lanes for them to find the open man, it doesn't matter who's out there on the ice. It doesn't matter if it's the bread man, who is a top liner playing on the second line, or if it's Will Cully, who is, who is a young guy who's getting reps on the third line in the absence of Bill Keto. You've got to be able to forecheck up against a team like the Rangers because they can strike no matter if it is even strength or on the power play. Even though last year wasn't the same power play that we saw from the Rangers, this year's showing that this power play has remained unchanged for them. Yeah, I think they absolutely look right now on a power play side, as you said from the year prior. 
They look hands down like a top five unit on the power play side. The way that they move the puck so beautifully, and you said it, the way that they do that, the way that they can mix lines, you usually only have two power play lines, but I guarantee you want to keep everybody fresh. And Peter Laviolette says, hey, you want to go out there and get some time to shine? If you keep within that same system, you're going to have success. And it looks like they're buying in, and they're doing really well with it. So we'll give you some other scoring updates on this side. It looks like the Sabres and the Hurricanes. This one is tied at Dose. We'll take a look at the uh, goal scorers here. So it's Alex Tuck and Rasmus Dahlin with the latest at 9.23 on the power play. His third from Thompson and Casey Middlestat. Tony D'Angelo and Brady Shea have the goals for Carolina. So these two teams going neck and neck with one another, but something has caught my eye with the Hurricanes, that they seem a little off with their start to the season. We normally see them as a tough defensive unit, and with the additions of Bunting, Orlov, and the Aussies, those were the two big additions. But it doesn't seem like big is the way that they're categorizing with how they're coming out in this game, because they're a little slow for their standards sitting at 7-5. and five. And not to mention, this may be the most important season of their franchise by far with this current core, because there are a lot of free agents to sign next offseason. They already got Sebastian Ajo's deal in place. Yeah. We see everyone else like Martin Natchez and Seth Jarvis. And here's the thing, and I'm not saying this in a mean way on that side, but do you think that Marty Natchez and the rest of the company are worth of deals that they're probably expecting to get? That's the question that you got to make if you're Wardell and company. Hey, somewhere around, in, for Natchez, I would say somewhere at around 7 to $8 million a year. I'll, I'll start at $8 million for Natchez, see if he agrees to that deal. I think he would agree to an $8 million a year deal, but you have to account for everyone else, and you're not going to keep everyone, and it's right. the harsh reality of the National Hockey League in a flat cap world. The salary cap is expected to go up $1 million, or is it $4 million? Well, again, I, I, think you, I think you're right the first time on that, so it's going to be about a million, and then it's going to go up precipitously, they're saying, over the next couple of years. But it's all about getting the deal done at the correct money value, as you mentioned, and then allow the Carolina Hurricanes to move forward. Because, honestly, in a realistic world, you also don't want to lose players like Jesper Faust and some of the other ones that you have down in the middle, but you're going to lose some of that depth. And as you said, when you got to sign Natchez and some of the other pieces, that takes away the money from everybody else. It takes away from the depth. It takes away from a lot of the things that makes Carolina really good. But you got to go back to me, as you mentioned, with the defensive side between Tony D'Angelo and Dmitry Orlov and the other players not named Jacob Slavin, who are going to be locked down on defense. They've got to play better on that side because Carolina is usually defense first, and if it doesn't start with that, they're not going to play Carolina Hurricanes-type hockey. And the, and the foundation of the Hurricanes has been their defense. Because if it wasn't for the Boston Bruins last year, the Hurricanes would have the best defensive core in hockey last season. That's how they won their games throughout the, of the Rod Brindamore era, by emphasizing on defense, led by Jacob Slavin, their anchor throughout this yeah. time frame, throughout the last five seasons. They needed to break out of that funk if they were to make a deep run and perhaps a Stanley Cup run, because this year's their best chance to do it. Yeah, and again, it really does feel like the Hurricanes have been one of those teams. I think you and I and the rest of the world have been picking to be at least a top four. 
that's where they were last year. Again, I hate to go back to and mention with the stuff with the Florida Panthers and how awful that must have felt for Hurricanes fans to lose one-goal games like that. But it's just about getting enough offense, still locking down on defense. I think Rod Brennamore is a fantastic coach, but at some point the Hurricanes have to get it done with the roster they have. We'll see if they can do it. They're 3-0 and at home to start, but they're 7-5 and on the year. So they're going to they're gonna make a, play a lot more games at PNC Arena over the next few days. We do have a scoring update. This is very early. This is 40 seconds in. Ellie Tolvanen from Yanni Gordon, Jamie Alexiak, as the Kraken are up 1-0 against the Coyotes at Mullet. That time is the Kraken stealing the Mullet magic from the Coyotes. <laughs> Just 40 seconds in. I don't know about what Mullet magic can bring. They, were, they won 21 games at Arizona State University in the Coyotes, but... This this was a quick start for the Kraken and one that they needed. I put the Kraken at between a four and five on a panic scale because it's a slow start, but it feels like an on again, off again team. So I'm I'm leaving at that, and I said I'll revisit it later on the year to where they would stand on the panic scale. But it's a good start for them. But sometimes it's not about how you start; it's about how you finish. And we'll see if they can do that because the Arizona Coyotes have already shown themselves this year to be able to score a lot of goals in certain games. And again, I'm noticing, again, Joey Decord is in net today, but he's getting a lot more time. And Philip Grubauer is kind of playing like the Philip Grubauer in the regular season. Again, for those following along at home, that's not good. They need the Philip Grubauer 2.0 in the playoffs if the Kraken kind of want to make that same run that they did last year. They're still capable. As Alex said, between 4 and 5, I was completely in agreement with him on that side. The number is right there for me as well. If the Kraken have one of those down years, I think it'll be okay because that personnel that they have, alongside all the young core and then Matty Beneers and Jared McCann and Ty Cartier and company, and the defensive core, I like Vince Dunn and all of that and Philip Larson that they have, this is a good team, and they're going to be good for several years. It's just the question is, what is the Kraken ceiling? Did we see it last year when they made the second round and lost to the Stars, or can they be pushed to greater heights? Because Philip Grubauer is going to be the half, going to be the guy that has to kind of get it done. He has to be because they brought him in on a six-year deal to be either guy in net. He hasn't looked apart in the regular season. They need him to be the postseason performer that he was against Colorado and Dallas last season. Nearly getting them to the conference finals against Vegas. They need that Philip Group hour here in the regular season. Yes, they do. Arbor Jackeye just goes to the box here. So Tampa, I believe, just ended a power play. Maybe they didn't score in it. Nick Suzuki has the latest goal as Montreal is still down 4-1 to one from Cole Caulfield and Sean Monaghan. Again, it's good to see the former Flame just back on the ice, but it was a bludgeoning for the Lightning against the Montreal Canadiens to start. 22 seconds in, Nikita Kucherov with his 10th, and Nick Paul, Alex Belair-Belay on the power play, and Michael Isamont with his 4th, and Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak. So Victor Hedman's got all the points. And let me ask you this. I'll have to type this up really quickly on the... Uh, side for the rosters, but let me look at it. I want to make sure that I get these points correctly before I ask you this question. I'm going to look at Tampa stats, and I'm going to look at somebody like Mikhail Sergachev and see where he's at. So he does have six assists on the season now, which is good in 12 games, but he's a minus nine. On the other end, though, Victor Hedman 
We were kind of thinking he might be in the same spot, but Victor Hedman's been ridiculous. He's got 14 points in 12 games. He's back to being the number one defenseman that he has been used to being in Tampa Bay. And and with him being back in form, and with Mikhail Sergachev having the season that he's having right now, we may now know that Hedman is still the clear-cut number one defenseman with the Bulls. Sergachev is also number one defenseman potential. We have to know how much further he can go down the road before we see him being a true number one defenseman. Because Sergachev can play A on the power play as a number one power play quarterback. But Hedman brings the a higher upside on defense. Yes, he does. And again, for Sergachev, I have to make sure I click on this to get this one right. But it kind of feels like he's been there forever. And yet he's still only 25 years of age. But he, what is he in, like a seventh season? It feels like he's there in his seventh season. Yeah, he has this in his seventh season in Tampa Bay. And, yet, and it also feels, yeah, but even though he's there, it feels like he's been there for a long time. Yeah. How he's been dating back to when he was brought over to Jonathan Drouin trade. That's still working out better and better for the Bolts every passing day. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I just had to make sure that I clicked on that and asked you about Victor Hedman because, again, I was seeing he was putting up the points. And Nikita Kucherov, I know there's a lot of minus here because it's a lot of power play for the Lightning on that side, but Kucherov's always one of my favorite players. He's got 20 points in 12 games, 9 goals, 11 assists. I find it hard to believe that there isn't a better setup man than Nikita Kucherov, but the way that he can also score is absolutely ridiculous. And if I'm correct, I think Steven Stamkos also needs a contract at the end of the year. The 33-year-old is going to be set to be a free agent if he doesn't get re-signed by the Lightning. And I would be shocked if I don't see him back in a Bolts jersey. Yeah, that would be a big surprise if Stamkos doesn't remain a Bolt for life. I would expect that he get another contract with them for how he has performed over the years. But... That would be the big surprise if Stamkos doesn't get a new contract signed between him and Julian Brisebois. And if I'm correct, the Canadians cut Tampa's lead in half. It is a 4-2 game there. So, not done yet. There's tons of time. Looks like 10-40 left in the third. And we will see if this is going to end up being a short-handed goal on top of it. If this updates on the ESPN side, because it showed Tampa is on the power play. I could flip it on this side. I just want to make sure that I don't miss in the start of the third period. Although, for me, mercifully, I probably should. It is uh, Jake Allen. He's the one that gets pulled. He gives up four and stops five out of nine. Sam Mountainbow has stopped 16 out of 16. And at this point, on the goal side, it's Tompkins in that. Matt Tompkins trying to get his first win of the season for the Lightning. Oh, that's a name that you never expect to be in an NHL roster, but given Andre Vasilevsky's injury, that elevated Tompkins to being the backup. He was previously a first stringer before the Vasilevsky injury, right behind Jonas Johansson. The initial plan, had it not been for the signing of Johansson, then it would be Tompkins being the backup to Vasilevsky. And so far, Tompkins has played up nicely in these first two periods. Yeah, I really haven't had, again, Tampa's records 5-3-4. and four. And Like I mentioned in the first intermission, John Cooper wanted to sit and get a little more finish and not lose an OT. 
But if I had to pull a question at Tampa fans, how do you feel about the play of Jonas Johansson and Tompkins? I think the fans would probably say they played pretty well, Alec. Yeah, they have to be pleased with what they have both brought up. It's not only because of the defensive system. That's a new sense of confidence with them, with their with the new sense of environment on a perennial playoff contender like the Bulls. So again, they showed on the TNT side, will Detroit make the playoffs? Again, they have more people saying yes than no. I think that's going to be uh, kind of a flip-the-coin decision. We have a couple more scoring updates. That goal that came across for Montreal was Michael Pozzetta as it's 4-2. to two. Arizona looks like they've tied it. Matias Michelli with his second from Nick Bukestad and Travis Dermott at 6.06. Connor Ingram stopped 4-5. to five. Joy Decord, same thing. And we also have one more scoring update to pass along. Looks like the Preds have been opened up the scoring against the Calgary Flames there in the Saddle Dome today. Markstrom's in net, but Michael McCarron gets his first from Liam Foody and Mark Del Gazio. I remember when Michael McCarron and used to play on the Montreal Canadiens. Well, he, he was a reserve forward back there, but now he's going in and out with the Predators organization. Sometimes helping scratch, sometimes in the lineup as a fourth liner. And now he has the first goal in this match. Sometimes it's the least, it's the guys you least expect that can get the goals here. And this time it is McCarron. I will say this, as the Preds sit 5-6 and six on the season, and I had to ask Cooper Hopkins on that, so I know you listen in on some of it, of who's going to make the playoffs and who isn't. And I had the Preds maybe sliding in, but some things had to go right. What I think has gone right so far, I'm looking at this on the side of the screen, 32-year-old Ryan O'Reilly has seven goals, four assists for 11 points. He's actually been able to bring some production. I know he had a couple down years with the St. Louis Blues, but it looks like he's fitting in with Nashville. That's the signing I love for Nashville, by bringing Ryan O'Reilly to bring in that leadership, the defense, and the long-time experience that he provides. Not only that, but the Stanley Cup winning experience that he brought in from St. Louis onto Nashville to have them play like champions. He wants to bring that championship experience to that Nashville team. The other scoring update, we haven't got to this one, but little trivia question. Who, was the, uh, who scored the first playoff overtime winner in this current iteration of the Winnipeg Jets? The answer, Kyle Connor, who has a power play goal for the Jets and this game is 3-1 Winnipeg at Enterprise Center. One of my favorites in the Ann Arbor, Michigan side for Kyle Connor. I am hoping they were saying a little bit of a homecoming to the Red Wings. That would certainly be a big boon to get somebody like that in the offseason if that was even possible, but I imagine the Jets aren't going to let him go. It doesn't feel like the Jets are, are willing to let go of him that easily because he's been a mainstay for him. They want to get this retool as it was stated before the extension to Shifley and Hellebuck they're going to keep Connor at all costs so I guess my question is I only have 20 minutes of pain left to go I mean unless you want to take this Alec but I think I'll just go ahead and uh, finish this one off I love the uh, back of the mask for Jonathan Quick that's kind of what happens when the Rangers score and the hey 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 on the back of it and uh, Alec was able to call that four times. 
as they're having the flag of no quit in New York right now. I kind of wonder if there's going to be some quit in Detroit in this game. And you're going to have to see if the power play is going to get things going. Over three over five shots. Honestly, it's hard to believe that they've had three power plays. They have a hard time even getting in the zone on half of it. But you've had an intermission to work with in the locker room on this side to kind of work to put pen on paper on this side and figure out what you're going to do. We'll see if they can execute. Wallman, touch pass. Here's a slap shot as this one gets blocked and picked up by the blue shirts. Now, this could honestly be a two-on-one pass across opportunity. Sauced out of the air, and Huso had to make a great save. You could kind of see that one coming as Alex DeBrinkett will spin back around as this will be recollected by Dylan Larkin. Again, they were thinking he was going to have the off day with the bumps and bruises, especially on the backside, but he did play today, but the Red Wings are down 5 nothing. Raymond off the spin. He stays patient, plays it off the right side of the kick plate. Dylan Larkin pick it up and serve this one back to D for Wallman. Wallman now. Raymond, a lot of window dressing here. They need to shoot it. This one goes off the inboards, but Quick's got it. Oh, I don't mean this to be. I don't mean this to be asking in a, a mean matter, but could that possibly be the play of the game for the Red Wings on that sliding save by Billy Huso? Because it was. <laughs> I think I agree with you, Alec. That was probably the best one. And when you're talking about that, you're also keying in on a short-handed save on a Red Wings power play opportunity. That's not good when you think about it in the Red Wings side of it. Chris Kreider has eight short-handed goals tied for first in the NHL during his playing time on that side. Here's a bomb of a slap shot. This one goes way wide. Shangasa spare. Settle it back down for Daniel Sprong. Puts it around the end boards now, but the Rangers will VC. Pick this one up and send it back down the ice. In a game like this, you have to imagine you're just staring up at the scoreboard waiting for it to get to zero. That's just the way it is right now for the Red Wings. JT Confer gained the entry. Big hit. We'll get out of the way of one of the Red Wings here. Now Mord Sider has to go back and pick it up. There are some talking points in Detroit about Mord Sider if he's going to be a second line or first line power play side. He doesn't really bring the offense. He brings more of the defense. And he does lose the puck a couple times. We did see that with some short-handed opportunities. Husso said to save about four of them. As Sider will take a 100-foot slap shot. This goes in off the pads of Quick and quickly push the other way for Alexei Lafreniere. As this is recollected by the Redmonds. JT Confer now. As this goes into the right side of the wall. Spinning and falling down, I believe, was Clint Costin. No matter, though. Blue shirt's got it. Mixed in with the red pants and the red striping. This Husso takes a look at it in the stand-up, hugging on the left side of the post. 17-25 left to go on the third. John Hunter with you alongside Alec Nava. It's a 5-0 lead. And the only thing with the Red Wings, this is a national TV game right now, so everybody gets to watch this at this point. Not good for what everyone's going to get to see and what they'll probably talk about in a couple hours. As this is picked up now for Vinny Trocek. Already got a couple in this game, as Alec mentioned. He wants a hat, you could certainly get one. And you would see them rain down at MSG, no doubt about it. I love this building because it's one of the ones that's not sold out by a corporate name. Really one of the only ones that we got left. As this is sent back in now by Ben Chirot. He will put this one down and across the red line. We will see if they're going to call an icing. No, they're going to wave it off. As Rasmussen tried to finish a check on Keandre Miller. But this is an opportunity for the Rangers as it's dumped down the ice off the flip 
And Olimata will try to get this one off the back end and absorb a big hit. Andre Miller trying to pry this one loose. You really can't pinpoint a single thing that the Rangers did wrong in this game. It's not just because of a 5-0 scoreline. They've really checked every box and they've just bludgeoned the Red Wings team and they've forced them to pretty much play their game. Great move toward the middle as they get around Shane Goss' bear, but this one is iced. It's 16-13. Yes, he has, and he's not looking like a bottom six forward. He's playing anything but right now. He's driving the offense. He's getting the hits. He's getting the puck out of his zone clean. Again, you can say that about all of these Rangers right now. They are just playing beautifully. Here's a drop in toward the right side. Dot picked up in the high slot now. Schneider will send this one across. Be an opportunity for Jones. As this is play, VC going to take a shot. This one might have got blocked by the Red Wings that were falling down. Then there was Wallman to get a piece of it. But it's the Rangers now, as they'll put this near the right side blue line. Fire a chance at the net. It was a flipping puck, and Sider runs into Huso, and the play's blown dead. We're going to get a cross-checking penalty. I feel like this went and off of, I believe, Sider may have gotten pushed, but we, we don't know where we're going to get the official call from here. But if anything, and with all the wars by these two teams towards each other after that, it feels like there's a little bit of frustration in Detroit set from this effort. I know you, you may be expect and people may be expecting this from a team that's losing this badly about some frustration. I know the Rangers can't test that with Jacob Truba hitting Timo Meyer in game seven, but if the Red Wings getting another power play as Barkley Goudreau it's called for cross check. So this will be, let me make sure that I counted correctly, the fifth power play opportunity for the Red Wings. Again, the way they started the year, especially against the Flames, they were untouchable. Here's a couple of touch passes, and David Perron got denied at the doorstep by Jonathan Quick. He made probably his second best save of the game. That's only the second time we've really had to count it on the hands. 0 for 4 with 4 shots as this one gets dumped back down the ice, and the Red Wings will look to get started again with some new personnel. As it's Alex Debrinket, he was on the defensive side cleaning it up. He'll fire it in, but this will go right through Keandre. He'll send this one back down. And the Red Wings will recollect into the neutral zone as Lucas Raymond will fire it in. Pick it up near the right side below line. Raymond had hop over his stick. How many times have we said that in this game? Dylan Larkin drive to the net. He goes short side. Bounce off the zebra though. And it's sent back down the ice. But there has been a lot of missed passes not a lot of clean entries. The Rangers have kind of dominated everything. And other times, the Red Wings have honestly just shot themselves in the foot. JT Comfort, as this is picked up here for Goss Bear, but a little bit too far. And this is sent in over the glass. No penalty. 14-17 left to go in the third. You know what this game reminds me of? It feels like that one game that Ian and I called between the Hurricanes and the Lightning last year because this is a one-sided effort. And the home team is limiting the visitors to less than 20 shots, as with the Hurricanes did with the Lightning in that one game, where they won 6 nothing, and 
Well, we can call the Yesberry Cook and Yemi game. Yeah, it's a game that when you're looking at it from what you're describing, one team throws the other in the blender, and the other one's got no answers. That's what it looks like right now. Again, un holy cow, we got another power play. Is this Wheeler in the box again? Now this is Keandre Miller for a delay game. I thought that that was past the center ice part of it, but I guess his flip that was in the defensive end, that's what went over, so Red Wings have a five-on-three man advantage. I almost thought that this was deflected off of someone. Me too. But, yeah, I, I apparently wasn't. I, but it feels every penalty needs to be reviewed to check if there are any deflections before they can assess a delay of game penalty. And I don't even feel like, I'll just be honest, I don't even feel like the Red Wings are going to score here even with a two-man advantage. They try to force a cross-crease pass. And the Rangers were there to intercept it. you got to be able to fire shots on Jonathan Quick. He hasn't had to do anything this game. Simplify it. As this is picked up now for Gostas Bear. In the high slot. Sider cross pass. Quick gets a glove on it. Bounced up in the air. And the Blue Shirts one more time rifle this down the ice with a fantastic clear. Fuso will go ahead and let's see what happens now. We get the play blown dead. I thought we would still be going. 12 seconds left to go on the two-man advantage, 13.37 left. I think that this play was a play with a high hand, I believe, from what we've seen. But I, I don't know what, the, what else is there, because anything, that may have been a hand pass from what is signaled from our belief. But nonetheless, we get a final score, 3-2, Carolina in overtime. Guess who? Martin Natchez, Carolina's own Mr. Overtime. Well, we were just talking about him. Here's a big slap shot. This one gets blocked. A broken stick. We'll see who it's going to be against on that side. So Schneider's just trying to pry this loose. His stick shaft was broken. And the, Red, Red, the Rangers still get it out of the zone. So they are doing everything right right now. And the 5-on-3 is done. The Red Wings still have another man advantage. They're going to essentially go 0-for-6, 0-for-7 on this side as it's flipped in. It's not like they haven't had opportunities, but the work level has been low as it's Daniel Sprong. We'll get this near the left side red line. J.T. Coffer absolutely getting worked over as this is sent back in now. Red Wings trying to get this alive at the boards. Raymond working behind the net. Here's a fake slap for Wallman. Touch pass goes too far. Raymond will pick it up on the right side wall. Another one hits the bar for Coffer. And Quick holds on, and now we get some fists being thrown. That was as close as what we were going to see for the Red Wings scoring on the power play. This could have easily broken this shutout, but nonetheless, it's not like it would have mattered much anyway because the Red Wings are getting a manhandle overall, but that was as close as it can get for the former Av JT Conquer. Just off the edge of the post, inside of the post, too. That reverberated all the way across MSG, and I promise you my TV's done on very loud on that side, and that was pinged like crazy as it bounced off the right pad of Jonathan Quick. Daniel Sprong was trying to get in there. Lindgren took exception, and uh, Sprong ate a couple knuckle sandwiches as it's 13 seconds left to go on the Red Wings' power play. They've had a ton of them, 
But they've had even more power plays than the Rangers have goals, and the Rangers have five of them, but the Red Wings are not going to score on any of them. As the Rangers will clear this one down the ice again. They have just 18 shots on goal. For how many power plays that they have, that is just incredibly low. Near the right side, here's a long shot. This is padded away by Jonathan Quick, Ben Chirac. As of now, as it's kept to the outside, Rasmussen, this goes off the bar! But I think it's going to go, let's see, is it going to go in? I didn't get the, uh, well, yeah, it is. Michael Rasmussen's going to get one. And let's be honest with Rasmussen, he's had a couple chances over the last few games where he's been haunted not being able to get a goal. This time it goes off the pipe and in near the right side of the wall. You know, the Red Wings need this one because even though this game may be out of hand, they need a goal to try and keep their spirits up. And if they may have gotten their spirits up like that goal from Rasmussen, he needed this one because it was going off the post. We're not sure where it ended up. I, I didn't see a red light at first, but then I, I get the signal from the referee saying goal as Rasmussen off the inside. And then it hits center post. Yeah. That is it. Yeah, I, I don't know what's went off the post. Here's a drive. And then a backhand scores! Two goals in a row. A quick succession. I think this one's going to be for Christian Fisher. It's a 5-2 game. There is a lot of, that's Clint Costin, excuse me, a lot of time left to go here. And the Rangers need to uh, pick it up now. Detroit's finding their mojo here late in this game, especially this fourth line with Clean Costin. Brought over from Edmonton in the Kylo Yamamoto trade. Yamamoto subsequently bought out, signed by Seattle, but Costin picking up where he left off of Edmonton on this fourth line for Detroit. Didn't get a lot of opportunities with St. Louis, but now he's finding right opportunities at the right times. Two goals. And a trice, as Peter Drury would say it, with the English Premier League. But, man, Detroit has turned it on here in this third period to get some confidence back. Question is, how late is it going to be? Imagine this game's already done, but if you're the Rangers, you don't want to have another one of these in the next two minutes, because then all of a sudden this might become a game. Don't think it is just yet, though. David Perron will pick this up off the backhand. But you had Michael Rasmussen and Clint Costin, two players that you wouldn't expect to score, as this is a race right down the middle of the ice, and that one goes wide. This game has really opened up now. Red Wings can't afford to have that happen anymore. As Alex DeBrinket will put this one for Ghost and put this in across the red line. So it is 21 shots now for the Wings, a 29 for the Rangers, a couple quick goals and a finger snap. As this is picked up here, Mika Zibanejad off the touch. Kreider, that one almost could have rang the bar. As the Rangers are getting some chances right down the middle, so maybe it's all out attack at this point. As the settings are all the way to the right at this time for the Red Wings. As it's picked up here for Keandre Miller. I'll jump this one back for Jacob Truba. Gain the entry and across the Rangers logo on the right wing side for Mika as this is dumped back down and across the red. And the Rangers have looked to settle this down a little bit, and they really needed to. Don't want to give up any more quick goals, as this is picked up now. For the Rangers, we'll put this in across the wall. Panarin, send this to the D, a one-knee, one-timer from the right side point, as this might fall back to the red men. 
Play this in behind for Alexei Lafreniere behind the cage. Rahuso, here's a sauce pass and a cutting Keandre Miller. That would have been a gorgeous goal. Lafreniere able to win the battle against three Red Wings. JT Copper's going to come back and provide support. And the Red Wings will try to get this out now. Daniel Sprong has this sticked away nicely by the Rangers on defense. Settle back down for Cider and Petrie. Don't know if I like that defensive pairing. I'm just being honest. But I'll throw that one in for Daniel Sprong. Daniel Sprong behind the cage. One of the Red Wings almost pulled the tires. Bounce off the skate. Loose out in front. And a chance for Cop as this one gets saved by Quick. That could have been a 5-3 game. He was wide open as this is picked up now for the Rangers. Cutting chance for Lafreniere. Rangers might get this one back. It's bounced up into the crease. Somebody falls in a Huso's lap, but we play on. It's Jeff Petrie. Man, this game has gotten crazy. Petrie, long shot, five hole, canceled off by Jonathan Quick. Klinkostin can't locate it as the Rangers will go ahead and pick this one up. The clock is not the friend of the Red Wings right now. Again, a couple quick goals, but they need to answer here probably within the next 40 seconds if they want to even have a chance at this. Here's a race. Klinkostin centered up. Big save by Quick. Here's another one. Save by Quick. Stop by Jonathan again. Three in a row. Getting the bulk of the action here right now in this third period. This is where things are getting interesting. Without the Rangers been playing in the first two periods, they see if they can continue to play a, like a full 60-minute hockey game. It feels like they get, got their foot off the gas pedal just a bit, but they're still playing just enough to maintain this lead, even though they allowed two goals in 20 seconds. They're just doing enough to preserve this and to preserve this lead the rest of the way. That's what it feels like to me, Alec. I think you said it perfectly on that side. Doing just enough. But again, we talk about the full 60 minutes and how important it's going to be. Look, I'll, I'll give the Rangers this. It's hard to play that good for an entire 60 minutes, but I definitely can tell that they let off the gas a little bit. And if they give a couple more chances, I don't think the Red Wings are going to score five. But I think this might turn into a 5-3 game, possibly 5-4 with a net pull if this keeps up. So this is a good TV timeout for Peter Laviolette and company because they got to be able to make sure to uh, clean some things up, to be honest. You want to clean things up if you're Peter Laviolette. So you want to take the time in this TV timeout if you want to recollect yourselves, group together. So use this as a de facto timeout to get together and clean things up on your defensive side because on the defense, you're still strong units, even without Adam Fox, who's been the driving force of this defense. But Keandre Miller and Eric Gustafson have both stepped up their games in the absence of Fox. And so has Zach Jones was recently called up in the absence of Fox. Yeah, Zach Jones has been honestly unbelievable the way that he skated. He's looked like an extra forward on the way that this has worked, and I didn't realize, but I'll have to pay attention as you do more of these Rangers games to keep an eye on Jones on that end. He's been pretty good. I do see uh, Nicholas Lidstrom jersey in the crowd, so that is a smart Red Wings fan, alongside his Rangers friend on that side. It's always good to take in a game at MSG. I hope to one day do that myself. I would love to watch the Rangers play at Madison Square Garden, let alone the Knicks, but I'd definitely like to see the Rangers. This is picked up now. As this is flipped in, 
And now the Red Wings will have to start again on their own end. Again, they're in the road lights with the red and white striping. Again, they're not mixing those Detroit alternates with the black and gray color scheme. I'm not a fan of those because the Red Wings have never had black and gray in their color scheme to begin with. But that's what they did last year. I hope to not see them anymore, to be honest. As this is picked up by the Blue Shirts. Again, they're at home at MSG. Draw on here with you alongside Alec Nava. It's a 5-2 game. The Rangers had five unanswered. Red Wings score a couple. Costin will fire a pass as this one had traffic in front of the net. Michael Rasmussen trying to provide the screen. Jimmy Vc here's a great looking pass and a good save by Husso with the glove hand against Pitlick. Yeah, whenever the Rangers play at home, there's always this celebrity watch whenever they have games over at MSG. And I wonder what celebrities are in attendance for every Rangers game whenever they play. Last time I checked over the previous game at MSG was Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets. Yeah, it's amazing considering all that stuff that's happened on that side. And I'll leave it at this for, for whoa, Husso makes a great save off the slap shot. But for Aaron Rodgers, hope he comes back healthy and hope he plays again with the Jets. I don't want to see him just go to retirement. Here's a rush chance off the sauce. It was blocked off the skate of one of the Red Wings. And picked up by Husso. Sider made a great defensive play there. The outstretched leg of Sider. You mentioned he's more of a defensive guy to Carol Jake Woolman. And Sider with that left skate to block off the pass for Mika's advantage at and shut up what could be a 6-2 hockey game. <laughs> that was a good, a good block from Sider. Yeah, the faucet's not been turned off for the Rangers. Again, at least the Red Wings responded a little bit. I do want to make sure to keep the narrative. That does not change everything that is shown with the Rangers in this game. It's been completely one-sided. The score line is just going to look a little more forgiving. Let's just make sure that we say that honestly. It looks like it's going to be the end of the first period almost. And you say Soros gets a 2-0 lead. He stopped 17 of 17. Jacob Markstrom's only had to stop 4 out of 6. But it's Kiefer Sherwood with the latest from Luke Evangelista and Tommy Novak. Not a lot of household names for the Predators at this point, but they're getting the job done. I like Tommy Novak's game with Nashville, with him being on the system for who knows how long. And finally, he's getting a legitimate opportunity to be on the big club. He got his first look last year. This year, he's getting an extended look with them, making a full-time roster for the first time. And him playing on a top six that features Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg and Cody Glass, another guy who is not a household name, but do remember he was a reclamation project on Nashville brought in in the Ryan Ellis trade that went three teams between Ellis, Glass, Nolan Patrick. But so far, it seems that Glass is the big winner of that trade. But for Novak, Glass, and Luke Evangelista, Nashville's prospect system has silently been looking good. Yeah. And I think for Cody Glass, if I remember correctly, he was the first ever draft pick for the Vegas Golden Knights. He was. So, yeah, he's going to get some playing time, especially when he comes back and healthy. And he can get a lot of playing time for the Nashville Predators. As this is a pickup off of the faceoff win, Keandre Miller. Send this back around for Alexei Lafreniere. Dylan Larkin's out there. I haven't had a chance to call his name too much. As this is picked up for the Red Wings now. Near the right side, Dot sauced out of the air. Looking for a tip against Jonathan Quick. 
right in the middle of the slot and Raymond can't shoot. As this is an opportunity now for Alexei Lafreniere. Here's a cross pass in the middle. Fanned on broken stick went farther than the puck did. I'm surprised that Lily Husa was able to keep his eye on it. Another chance a stick lift on in front could have stopped this from being a 6-2 game. This third period's been insane. Larkin, drop pass, right side dot, shot wide. As this is picked up for Sider. And flipped up and out of play. What is happening in this third period? It feels like I'm walking in over water right now in this third period. <laughs> Both of us are. We're walking over water with how, how this game is being in this third period. So much that we're seeing a lot of back and forth and the Red Wings coming alive in this third period with two goals in 20 seconds. And then most recently, you have the broken stick traveling farther than the puck. On that last shot from Detroit, or the Rangers, I meant, it feels like all sorts of chaos. The Lightning went 5-3 over Canadians. Nick Paul on the man of bench, Christian Dvorak with 19 seconds left, and the Wilder up 4-2, courtesy of Kirill Kaprizov and Joel Eriksson-Eck. Kaprizov with the man of bench. So Andrew Kopp has it now, and again, our featured game between the Rangers and the Red Wings Almost kind of feels like the third period. I know it's way out in front for the Rangers, but that game got a little wild in between the Bruins and the Stars uh, in that third period. We couldn't believe our eyes. This one's getting a little more open. Here's a chance! Cup scores! It's 5-3! I want to wonder again, what is happening at MSG in this third period? Because a game which we thought it was all Rangers in the first two, all of a sudden the Red Wings... They're coming right back into this game with Andrew Cup getting a taste of revenge on his former team, firing this one top shelf on Jonathan Quick. And by the time Quick located this puck, it was right behind him. It felt like Quick was a little bit behind the plate to react on this. You know, some of these instincts can get lost when, when you, you age, and Quick is not an exception here, him being 37 years old. But still, the Wings are making a game here. Man, it makes you wonder what would happen if they weren't down five. I mean, you could be talking about maybe stealing two points. I still feel like they're not going to get there. But the Rangers, they played an exceptional 40 minutes. They probably couldn't play any better in 40 minutes. And now all of a sudden, it's a 5-3 game. And if I'm Peter LaViolette, he might even be thinking about a timeout. They haven't used it yet. The Wings, they mentioned this on TNT, third period goals, that is their specialty. I keep saying that you can't play from behind, but yet I guess the Red Wings are going to continue to do this. They're within striking distance. There's 5.30 left to go in the third. I can't even believe I'm saying that. If they can get another one within a couple minutes and then have the net pull, who knows? But the Rangers, you have to imagine they're going to lock down. Ville Husso. He's given up five, but he's also got an assist from the coffer and Husso set up. So this goes back down. Husso's got it now as this is played by the Red Wings. Can they score another goal within the next couple of minutes? Uh, this is going to be a complete turnaround for my game story if they do so. As this is picked up now for Robbie Fabry. I had a chance to really call his name. He just came back after being injured in the opener. Big shot. This one goes around the inboards instead. 
And now the Red Wings will try to press. Now they really have to at this point. This was a game that was 5 nothing. They were going to have to probably give up a couple more goals because they're close enough to push up to go for it. As this is Trocek off the drop that bounces off a of Larkin. It goes back up the window now. 32 shots to 26. Red Wings were getting destroyed in that marker. Again, it was 11-1 to 1 on the shot board to start the game. And now they're back within six and only down two goals as this is flipped in. This might work out for Raymond as this is near the right side boards as Lindgren will try to get a piece of it. Can they hold it in? Can the Red Wings get to it? Jonathan Quick will take a look around. Red Wings can't hold the defensive end though. We're down to four minutes. This will gain the entry here from Wart Sider as this is played in off the window. And this will be an opportunity for Gustafson on the second line defense. This goes into the players' bench. We get a stoppage at 3.53. So as we head to the TV timeout, we don't know if it's the last <clears throat> one that we're going to have in terms of TV timeouts because Detroit has made it very enticing here in this third period. Three straight goals for them. And third period has been their specialty throughout this season. And perhaps a strength point to their advantage. Perhaps... Uh, Notre two taken out of the Panthers playbook in the Comeback Cats moniker. Yeah, the Cardiac Cats. If the Red Wings start playing like the Cardiac Cats, I don't think I can make it for a full 82-game season. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh... I remember being on the broadcast with you, maybe like last week, and I mentioned something with the, the Winnipeg Jets. I didn't feel like, or not the Jets, the Islanders. I thought the game was done. Sorokin had a 2 nothing lead. Red Wings came back, and now the Red Wings are coming back. Again, I apologized to you earlier, thinking this game was going to be a complete dud. Well, it turned out to be a pretty decent game at the end of it, even though the Red Wings, they did not start on time. At least they made a run of it. But it's got to be frustrating if you're Steve Eisenman and Derek Lalonde and company can you take some of this third period work? I know you were down five and the Rangers definitely went off the gas and I agree with you, but can you take some of this third period work? And if you're the Red Wings and please sprinkle it in the first and second period? Yeah, it feels, it feels <clears throat> as if, if you're playing from behind for most of this game, especially how it started with the Rangers getting 12 of the game's first 13 shots, and then the Red Wings come out firing on all cylinders in this third period and what's been their big strength throughout the season. And a, a 100 plus foot pass from Vile Uso all the way to the far side boards, I believe that was Christian Fisher, who set up Andrew Copright in front for that most recent goal. <laughs> He's back on the ice. Uh, this feels like another one of these games or Detroit is utilizing their strength of playing in the third period to their advantage. Well, again, I know I mentioned this, so this is why I laughed to myself on this side. Revelle Hussos, people get angry and say that he's not really a, pr a primary goaltender. Well, at least he just threw a 100-foot dot and got an assist. So that's got to feel good for him on that side. He hit that with the paddle of stick as this one is sent in by Kreider. Picked up now off the backhand, and the Red Wings have a Daniel Sprong as they'll look to push. Red Wings do have time, but they probably need to get one within the next minute or so to try to make this a 5-4 game. Again, it was 5-0 Rangers. I can't say that enough. Here's a stick chop, and this is going to negate a 2-on-1. Blue Shirts will instead just take the change. Here's a 100-foot pass. It bounces off Cobb. This gets the defensive zone of the Blue Shirts. 
but they'll try to start again right to left. Red Wings have to forecheck, as I mentioned with Alec. They might have to give up another goal or two. They're going to have to press for offense because this game's close enough now where they could actually get into a hunt to maybe even steal a point in a game they had no business doing so. Where this is picked up for Daniel Sprung. So Ville Husso, he's leaving. And they're right in front of the defensive side, so this could easily be a 6-3 game, but the Red Wings have to go for it at this point. They're going to try to gain the entry now. This is picked up off the backhand, almost a tripping, not being called. Rangers can dump this right in the empty net. This one will go wide. And this is going to be a call, and we'll see what it is with 238. Uh, nothing doing there for Jake Wolman in terms of tripping, because we almost thought that there was going to be a tripping call against Wolman. I guess that's not the case. Now we get back onto the New York zone. Or Detroit will have a face-off off this icing after Will Coley missed the net off this four-check. Gotta tell you, the Revens are very fortunate to not be called for a tripping because that was right in front of the referee. That seemed plain as day. Larkin, gotta want to draw here, he does, as this is near the right side wall. Empty net, Red Wings down by two, it's 5-3. Raymond fires it way wide. This will work as a clear for New York, so they can take some personnel changes. We're down at 2.20 left to go in the third, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's a 5-3 game. It was 5-0. Rangers still out front as this is picked up for the Rangers. They cannot clear, but the Red Wings fumble. This could be another opportunity for a long flip. They'll get this near the right side wall. Rasmussen, uh, they can't win the battle, the Rangers. And now the Red Wings gain the entry near the right side wall. Rangers, all they got to do is close the Red Wings off a little bit. And finish this here as this is flipped all the way down the ice. This will be blown dead against the Rangers. Another offensive zone drop coming with 148. So a lot of opportunities for the Red Wings, but it feels the Rangers, they're shutting off every lane. They're shutting off every lane that the Red Wings are looking towards. Kind of like what the Bruins did to the Stars in our other game that we broadcast. But the Rangers have been shutting off the Red Wings for most of the game in every lane that they're looking towards. So Comfer, he's going to take the offensive zone draw. Wings win it. They need to get more activity against Quick. Goss to spare. Sider off the tip. This one goes off the outside of the cage. Joe Valeno has it now. He might be the extra attacker at this point. Goss to spare for Valeno. Near the right side dot. Down to a minute 30. As it's Goss to spare. Opportunity for Kopp, this bounces off a Ranger, goes to the neutral zone. Keandre Miller takes a look, Red Wings gain the entry, they're not offside, it's Kopp. As he gets stick lifted in behind the cage, picked up by the blue shirts, but this is Ghost, but Sider does not there, he's not there at the blue line side, Red Wings got to start again, Sider will try to gain the entry, don't know why he wasn't pinching there, as this is picked up now, sent back around the inboard, it's got to be a tired group of blue shirts, Tired group of Red Wings probably too, as this is flipped in off the stick of Jonathan Quick. It got shoveled up high behind the net. Red Wings trying to find it here with Cop, and it looks like this is a long flip, and this is going to work. Is this going to go into the empty net? Holy cow, this was a chance for Cider. He just got a stick there at the last moment. That would have been a flip from 200 feet. That would have found pay dirt. As this is picked up now with 35 seconds left. Rangers have it. It gets turned over momentarily. Red Wings keep it in. Behind the net, a chance to shovel on it. Quick says no with the right pad. That would have been 5-4. to four. Down to 20 seconds. This is fired at the net. 
and it goes wide. The Rangers pick it up. They can't get it out of the zone, but the time is going to work for them. It gets flipped. It's a rolling puck. Red Wings are going to run out of time in this game, but boy, did they make it interesting. As this goes back around the inboards, the Rangers win this one 5-3, but it was 5 nothing. It's 5-3 now as it ends. Well, we do get a bit of interest here as though the electric scoreboard areas are still glitching out on the <laughs> NHL side. Cause it's, not the, it's not soccer or anything on that, but Detroit made things interesting. But that pass from Dylan Larkin was partially blocked up. Brady Schneider almost could have put it in his own net. That almost was an own goal from Schneider because Schneider got on the way to block up the pass, but it almost backfired. Almost. Yeah, I saw that off the replay that it bounced off the stick and then Larkin gets it back, tries to shovel it over Jonathan Quick who gets the right pad on it and holds against that post. So yeah, this game, you can make the argument that it swung one of two ways. You can say A, it was completely one-sided by the Rangers. You'd be correct. And you could say B, the Red Wings made a valiant effort on the comeback. I think that's also partially true. But if you are Detroit... I do think that the main narrative is going to be on front of the forefront. You can't find yourselves down 5 nothing against the Rangers or against the play any playoff team like the caliber that the Rangers are and expect to live right most of the time. They're going to need to get a much better start against Montreal. I know Montreal has had a tougher start of late, but if they play this way against Montreal to begin the game, maybe the Red Wings will be down again big. And you cannot be down by several scores and expect to win all the time, especially against a team like the Rangers, especially against teams that are of the top of the league, like the Bruins, the Golden Knights, the Stars, all those teams that are mentioned there, Stanley Cup contenders. You can, you just can't afford to be down by five against them and expect to come back to a win. That does not happen in the NHL a lot. You don't see five nothing comebacks every day. They don't grow on trees. No, they do not. And again, the Red Wings probably got the result that they deserved. Again, they had the third period run. The Rangers, again, they improved to 3-1-0 and at home. That's really, they haven't played any games at MSG. All this stuff's been on the road. They've been road warriors and they've been good. The Texas Rangers, another Rangers squad on the baseball side can attest to that. Alec, it was a lot of fun. I didn't expect you to join me for this one, but I guess we were treated to a pretty decent hockey game. We'll see what happens on the nightcap side, and I'm sure that I will talk to you sometime uh, next week, my friend. Yeah. A lot of fun here, John. Yeah. See you next week. All right, sounds good.